This is episode 756 for September 2022. And you're listening to the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast, and I'm your host, Brad Douglas. That opening song is by Corey Middleton, doing a theme of the uh, guitar theme of the Spider-Man theme song. Check him out on YouTube. It's a very cool cover. Before we get to our very special episode with Tom DeFalco celebrating 50 years in comics, this podcast, by the way, has 13 guests on it. 13 comic celebrities. That is a lot that was juggling going on, and I am so glad that Ron Friends and Mrs. DeFalco asked me to host this show. Uh, It was a lot of fun to do. I hope you enjoy it. Be sure to check out the video version over on our YouTube channel at uh, youtube.com slash Spider-Man Crawlspace. The visuals are fun, but the audio is fun to listen to, too. Before we get to the episode, I want to make a uh, thank you. I want to thank people that made it possible for you to listen to it. They logged on to our Patreon, patreon.com slash crawlspace. And a big thank you goes out to the following people. We've got uh, Toby Z, and we've got SymbioBro, and we also have uh, Gene, and Ghost Spider 2018, and JR, and Robert, Scott, Vinkman, Beautiful Vosh, Adam, Brian, Cyberweasel. Frazetta Hulk, Frederick, Jacob, James, Jesse, John P., Josh, Kelly, Laura, Matthew, Noah P., Ryan, Sarah, Scott, F. Scott M., Will, hashtag something good for you, AJ, Andrew, Anthony, Craig, Dow, Detboy, Donnie, Jeffrey, Haskimo, I'm going to skip this one, Ira, Jay, JB, Jared, John M., Curtis, Mitzi86, Patrick, Ryan, Sailor Sega, and Steven, and also Stuart. So again, log on to patreon.com slash crawlspace, and you can get some very cool swag like crawlspace t-shirts, stickers for your laptops or your vehicle, coffee mugs, exclusive episodes like our monthly Spider Satellite episode, also behind-the-scenes stuff, and um, lots of cool stuff, honestly. Uh, for your buck and it all that money goes to help support the crawl space and help me pay the bills which come each and every month so all right on with the show honoring a legend and one of my all-time favorite writers and it's a bonus he's a really nice guy here we go celebrating tom defalco right now Hey, Crawl Spacers, welcome to a special broadcast. We're honoring one of my favorite comic writers of all time, Mr. Tom DeFalco. He is celebrating 50 years of writing comics. He started in 1972, and he is still going strong. So let's introduce the man of the hour. We have Tom DeFalco right here. Welcome, Tom. Hi, Brad. How's it going? How are you, man? You know, after 50 years, I'm kind of tired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have a a baker's dozen of guests that will wake you up (laughs) throughout this broadcast. So uh, I thought we'd talk a little bit before we start. uh, And you remember the show, This Is Your Life? Well, here Uh, you go, Tom. This is your life. (laughs) I I thought we'd go over some of my favorites uh, runs that you've ever done. This is obviously a Spider-Man show. You started with a classic 252. Uh, and, and any thoughts looking back at this, these are some classic comics from a Spider-Man fan. Um, <laughs> I, I, it, when I look back on our, our, the, the run that Ron and I, um, ended up being on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I'm always reminded of the fact that we were essentially two filling guys. Um, <laughs> you know, Ron was supposed to be on there for just a few issues while uh -huh. John Ramita Jr. Um, uh, got the X-Men on time. John was planning to come back. Right. And um, I remember when Danny Fingeroth invited me to write, write Amazing Spider-Man. I told him that I didn't think I could do the dialogue. I didn't think I could, you know, I, I didn't think I was up for the job. Okay. And, uh, you know, he, he was convinced I was, and I thought, okay, so I'll, you know, he had me script a couple of issues over Ron Friends's, um, Roger Stern's plots. Um, and, and I thought, you know, anybody who follows Roger Stern is an idiot. idiot <laughs> you did it though. And you did it well. And yeah, well, I, I still look back on Roger Stern's run and I, you know, I well, still look, look at that. Look at this. You had to follow, um, Walt Simonson too. I mean, and you still do a great job. I mean, <laughs> look at this. You follow a bunch of people and you make the book your own. Your your run on Thor is also amazing with Ron Friends. Uh, th thoughts? Was this one of your favorite runs also? Um, you know, I, I loved all of my runs. I mean, yeah. I loved working on them. Um, yeah. You know, in, in order to um, work on a you know any monthly book, you you have to, you know, commit fully to the character. Right. You have to f really fall in love with the character, his, you know, his or her world and just, in, you know, you know, bury yourself in it because, um, you know, for you guys, it's, it's a, you know, 15 minutes once a month. It's, right. You know, for us guys, it's uh, eight hours a day, seven days a week. It's a 40, 40 plus hour gig. And you uh, followed Walt Simonson again. On the Fantastic Four, <laughs> look at this run. This is a I love this run with the late great Paul Ryan. This was uh, also an amazing run. Yeah, Paul. You know, Paul was a fantastic artist. Uh, yeah, I asked for the most ridiculous things, and, and he could draw them. <laughs> he got them for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, one run that is especially uh, beloved by Spider fans. And I will pull it up, of course, is uh, when you just thought it would be a brief run, I imagine, on What If, and you <laughs> introduced Mayday. Mayday is well, one of the best spider characters of all time. We, um, you know, when we did the What If, we thought it was just going to be a, a one and done. Yeah. Um, I remember as Ron was finishing up the issue, he said, do you think we could ever do a sequel to this? And I said, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a What If, um, you know. You know, maybe in a maybe in a year or so, um, and then uh, they, you know, uh, Bob Harris, the editor in chief at the time, he asked me if I could do six issues right. of uh, Spider Girl, and I said, "Yeah, I'm sure we can do six issues." And then later on, he said, uh, "Can you do twelve? <laughs> can you do six more?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, we could we could do six more." Right. And then he said, uh, "You know, we're going to end this thing at issue fifteen. Can you go to you know three more issues?" I said, "Sure." And then he said, uh, you know what? I think um, we're gonna need another issue. Can you do can you can you do a 16th issue? Yeah, sure. And then he said, you know, I think we're gonna do six more. <laughs> <laughs> and they kept asking us to do six more and six more. Right. Um, you know, up until I, I think it was issue 60 was gonna be the end. This is it. Right. You know, that that's gonna be the end of Spider-Girl. Um but the fans literally demanded more. The fans kept yeah. demanding more. more. Yeah. It was, uh, 
Spider Girl was one of these these flukes because uh, yeah, in the direct market, sales only go down, mm -hmm. um, except for Spider Girl, <laughs> where sales <laughs> would either be nice consistent. To be the the you know, odd thing that sells well. You're, we yeah. went over we went over the history. Your first work was at Archie Comics, and you sent me a scan. So let me pop this up. Was this your first story right here? The delivery dumbbell? <laughs> that, that, that was my, my first five-page story. There you go. Um, uh, an appropriate title. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we uh, have some other uh, early art or, and comics from you. Uh, this one, uh, Charlton, <laughs> Wheelie and the Chopper Bunch. Yep. Tell me about Wheelie. <laughs> 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 well, um, is it like Kirby, <laughs> Little Love Bug? Sort of, kind of. They they, yeah. they basically had all these you know animated cars. Okay. And I I remember when they gave me the assignment, I I thought, what the heck do you do with these things? <laughs> um, and um, you know, I, I, they sent me the first two issues, and they yeah. forgot to name. In the first two issues, a, a, a problem which is I see more and more in today's comics, they didn't name any of the characters. Oh, so, so I had to describe the characters in the script. You know, I, I figured like with Transformers, was... Marvel named Optimus Prime, right? Right. So you, you can name these cars. Why not? Well, no, uh, no, they actually had names because they were based on a cartoon series. And uh, some other early work you have, Hong Kong Fooey. Hong Kong Fooey. <laughs> there you go, man. There's another car. Yeah. <laughs> With the candidate, there you go, <laughs> and we got some Scooby Doo's you wrote. Scooby Doo, yeah, no, and, uh, and we have Yogi Bear, Yogi Bear, on the party and line, I, and I did a bunch of Flintstone things too. Yes, uh, they um, basically Charlton assigned me eight eight bi monthly comic books, right? So I had to do a book a week for them, and I was still working at Archie at the time, so I still had to. Do my Archie work, um, right. and then I would still go into the office. I think uh, two or three days a week. Um, <laughs> that's you know what, what I learned uh, the you know the importance of fifteen hour days. Right. And your first DC, you sent me a copy as the Super Juniors holiday <laughs> special. Yep. Ba baby Superman. <laughs> baby Superman. Baby Wonder Woman. Yeah. Baby Flash. This was originally supposed to be a treasury-sized book. Okay. And then when, they, and then uh, DC decided, you know, as we finished it, DC decided they were going to get out of the treasury business. Right. Um, and then they, you know, uh, put it in inventory for years, and it eventually came out as a digest book. Looks like so, March of '85. It looks like up there. Yeah, something like that. So it was supposed to be this big, and it came out this big. <laughs> Big ideas and a small package is what it eventually came in. And your it. first Marvel, you or no, actually, oh, no, tell me no, about no. this one. I won't kiss that evil away. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what is this book? This, okay, so so what is up with that story, Tom? <laughs> I was, you know, I was doing all sorts of things for Joe Orlando, some commercial right. comics and 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 that sort of stuff. Some some proposals for Yuma comics and that. And at one point jo Joe said to me, have you ever thought about doing straight stuff? You know, the superhero stuff. Right. And I said, ah, Joe, that stuff looks so hard. And he said to me, well, 
you know, here's the thing, kid. Um, <laughs> you have to do, you know, characterization. You can do that. You have to be able to plot. You can do that. But here's the kicker. It doesn't have to be funny. Oh, so yep. They're paying you. They're paying you the same rate and you're only doing half the work. Well, there you go. And I thought, wow, wait a minute. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> have to be funny. Wow. Like that, that, that works smarter, not harder, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, yeah, sure. I'll take a shot at something. And yeah. then the, then I got a call from Denny O'Neill, who said he was uh, assigned to, to do some uh, love comics. And he asked yeah. me to do, do a love comic because he said, it's just like Archie. And I thought, it's nothing like go. Archie. I don't know what the heck they're talking about, but... You know, you've also got I've also got some DC here uh, that you sent me. You've got some Jimmy Olsen that you wrote and some Starfire. Yep. And what character is that? That's uh, just a mystery story. I I did a bunch of mystery stories for DC. Right. Uh, And I think the next image is when you went to Marvel. This was your first Marvel story, right? This is my first Marvel story. Okay. Double Vision. Yep. They asked me to do a tryout story i think it's a a six-page story Uh and um i remember that uh you know jim shooter was impressed because there was a you know a beginning middle and end a a couple of conflicts and i used all of the vision powers in six pages well there you go and uh i also remember that he gave it to an artist who said it was impossible to draw (laughs) <laughs> well, great. Thanks. <laughs> you, could, you said you couldn't break it down. And I said, yes, yeah. you can. And, and you know, here's some inside baseball. Yeah. Um, when I worked at Archie, we, we had to do a storyboard where you sketch out the story by, you know, by panel. When mm. I, you know, panel by panel. When I worked for Charlton, I would do, they, they wanted a full script like DC. So I, I would have to because I was used to sketching out the story. I'd sketch out the story and I'm a lousy artist and I break it down panel by panel. And then I would translate that into a full script. Uh When I went to Marvel, I, I, I did the, I did the breakdown and then I tried to translate that into a plot. Uh Um, So when Trudor said, you can't do it in six pages, I said, sure you can. And I pulled out the six pages. I showed him panel by panel, how you could do it, you know, in five or six panels a page. He looked at it and he said, you're absolutely right. The artist is, you know, the artist is wrong. <laughs> well, and, there uh, you go. And your first time writing Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker, 41, spec. Yep, yep. <laughs> there you go. It was uh, supposed to be a, uh, I think it was supposed to be a Marvel team-up villain, and then it mm. be the spectacular Spider-Man villain. Yeah, right, right. Did did you always have a love of Spider-Man? I mean, was it just a big thrill when you got to write him? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, Spider-Man, I, I, you, know, I, you know, growing up, um, my, my first Marvel comics was Fantastic Four 3 and 4, mm-hmm. which were, you know, a revelation to me because um, there was just something magical about those comic books. Right. And I became a hardcore Marvel fan. And I love the Fantastic Four. And then when, when Amazing Fantasy 15 came out, man, I love that character. But, right. you know, they canceled the book. So I didn't think I'd ever see him again. Uh, right. when, when, when one day I walked into the newsstand and saw Spider-Man number one, I was, I was thrilled. I love Spider-Man. <laughs> 
So we've got uh, comments coming in. I was juggling stuff. So we've got um, Hornacek says, shooter, quote, DeFalco, you've done it again for when you figured out how to fix that problem. Mm. Uh, Scott says, uh, thank you, Tom, for all the great comics you wrote and edited throughout your career. Um, Gregory Wright, your friend, didn't uh, you use that story for pencilers to do tryouts? Um, actually, Carl Potts did. Okay. <laughs> Carl Potts go. dug up that story and figured this is this is a hard story to draw, so he would yep. a, a, a whole generation of artists he would give that to to let them try out to see if they could do storytelling. Right, gotcha. And uh, Ryan says would love more Mayday. And when you say Mayday, you have to say Ron Friends. And I've said Ron Friends four times, so here's Ron Friends right here. <laughs> What's going on, Ron? I recognize you. How you doing, Brad? Hey, Thomas. You're, you're like a Beetlejuice. I said your name and you appear, Ron. Well, you're in charge of the switch there, Brad. So, you know. <laughs> well, that's true. I, I, did, I did hit the button to bring you in, didn't I? There you go. <laughs> by the way, the hands you see clapping off panel every once in a while is my lovely wife, who is. Hi, Hildy. Tom, those two, Ron and Hildy, are the ones that put me up to bring all your friends here to roast and the heck out of you. And, and I'm <laughs> never going to give up. She blamed you. <laughs> you can try. So, Ron, what do you think of this guy? Uh, it's been a passable partner for the last 30 years or so. so I I think I'll Passable. keep I, I've been riding on Ron's coattails coat for years. Yeah. <laughs> whenever, you, whenever you see a story, the stuff that you like, that's what he put in. The stuff you don't like, that's right. what I put in. We'll call it mutual coattail hanging, okay? <laughs> but I have a surprise. I think Tom was half expecting this, but oh, okay. I actually have a surprise uh, for you. It's somebody that, that we both worked with for a period of time, and... Uh, somebody we both worked with for a period of time somebody that you know is a big fan favorite and and like i said i think you were probably half expecting this but brad everybody okay. at home please welcome the mighty thor <laughs> Good Lord! Wanted to stop by and really? say, yeah, we got a full screen. Hold on, Falco son. <laughs> Tom DeFalco. Yes, Tom, yeah, Tom DeFalco. <laughs> My <laughs> tiny friend Ron Ronald <laughs> has asked me to stop by and wish thee a merry birthday. No, it's his anniversary. It's not a birthday. <laughs> anniversary. Oh, oh, your anniversary. They don't. They don't celebrate. Fifty years anniversary in comics. Verily, thou hast scribed many of my greatest adventures, except for that time that you gave Steve Rogers and made him worthy to handle Mjolnir. You must have been feeling very unwell to have used such a bonehead idea as that. <laughs> well, that wasn't Tom's idea. That, that was our anchor. And anchors are known to be boneheads. He should be smited. Smited. We'll smite him. Be Definitely sure to smite, smite him. him. Thank you, Thor. That was wonderful. I've done. And he wrote it all himself. He really did. <laughs> look, look. It, it, it sounds like on. his kind of writing. Go, go, go stop. I man. drove six hours from no, Delaware for this. Man, not Delaware. <laughs> Asgard. Asgard. Yeah, Asgard. Asgard. We, Ron, Asgard. we don't want to give away his identity, but who was that masked man? Or oh, he wasn't who, masked. Who, who was that haired man? That was the mighty Thor. Odin's son. 
Okay. <laughs> Although he, was he that wore... mask, man. He's not wearing a mask, Brad. You say silly things. Who's, who is that toupee man? Brett <laughs> oh, uh, Reading. You know, oh, Brett, okay. I, uh, that's awesome. I do know Brett Reading. I just don't know the face. I know the, the art. The very nice. Yeah, nobody wants to know his face. <laughs> and you need to know the theme. They sing his theme. No, anyway, but yes. Uh, do you have any other questions for me about Tom, Brad? Yes. Uh, funny Tom stories. Roast him, I please. I have no funny Tom stories. It's always okay. More sad, depressing Tom stories. The only real Tom story I have is a Tom story I've been telling for nigh on 25, 30 years. Okay. Where we were at, I believe it was San Diego, but I don't remember. What, I, Tom could fill in some blanks. But there was a. We were waiting for the elevator with uh, with the wonderful creator Len Wein, who has since left us. Uh, but we were the three of us were waiting by the elevator when the X Men came uh, into the hallway. Okay. And uh, it was a large contingent of X Men, and uh, <laughs> for some reason, Rogue was bending over to fix her boot or something like that. And, okay. I, you know, I kind of turned and, and started because I didn't want to stare. And Tom saw that. And as Rogue straightened up, he said, excuse me, Rogue, you're hurting my friend. <laughs> and she, she turned and, and, and said, oh, hi, how are you guys doing and everything? And I, I said, fine. I said, but I, I, I felt I had to say something. I didn't, let, I didn't want Tom to be flirting for me. So I said, I'll never be able to draw. I'll never be able to draw a rogue the same way. Again. Oh, and and that's when she said, "Oh, how how long have you known I'm a guy?" <laughs> which, which at that point I just kind of stood there, wow. with my eyes wide. So, well, we obviously we you know yeah, great costume, but obviously you know. And DeFelco was just there with his jaw hanging down like oh, man. the entire time. So the elevator door opens and all the X-Men get on. And Rogue says, there's room for you guys. And and the three of us just kind of said, no, 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 you guys go ahead. You, know, you guys go ahead. And, and, and then and we that, collapsed in laughter. And that's why you guys and, don't write and draw X-Men anymore. <laughs> Actually, I, I've never handled the X-Men. But anyway, that's, and that's All why. because of the elevator. That's why. That's why. But we all stood there at the elevator. And uh, Len Wein, I think, was the first one to go, guys. And we also all started laughing. And Tom's comment was, I'm not upset to find out I'm gay. I just always thought I would know. <laughs> and we were getting in the elevator to go up to the penthouse for one of the oh, man. many parties that surround uh, conventions <laughs> and the like. And in yeah. the elevator, Tom swore us all to secrecy that we would never tell anybody else this story. Okay? Well, welcome to the internet, Ron. <laughs> nobody must ever speak of it again. <laughs> so we all we get to the party. Len, Tom, and I split and go our separate ways. And at one point, yeah. I'm standing there at the party, chatting with a group of people. And somebody comes over and pats me on the back and says, "Boy, that rogue thing must have really been shocking, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Where the hell did you hear about the rogue thing?" And he goes, "The phone goes over home court, telling everybody about it." I'm going to be the one to tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of the one of the times I was in New York, 
I walked into Tom's office and he had a big framed picture of that group of X-Men oh. personally autographed by Rogue. So <laughs> there you go. That's evil. That's so, so funny, that, though. That's one of my Tom DeFocos. That's one I can tell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> it didn't sound like you're holding anything back. That was a good one. <laughs> What's it like to work with him as a penciler? And and having a script come in from DeFalco, what's that like? It's terrific. He's he's he has to be one of the, if not the most collaborative fellow creator I've ever worked with, which is one of the reasons why we've clicked and one of the reasons that we've become friends. Because I he he believes that if you're going to to write twelve issues of anything a year, you you need to be able to take ideas. He's just a very unjealous creator he's very open to collaboration and welcomes you into you know whatever your insights are in the character and everything plus he has a wonderful element of the teacher in him i i've learned a lot from uh, from tom over the years because if he if you if you make a suggestion if you if you have an idea and you want to pitch something he won't you know i've had some writers who will just dismiss it out of hand or will decide not to use it because they're afraid if they're not supplying all the ideas, then they might lose their job as a writer, you know, that kind of thing. Tom has no issues like that. But if he doesn't think the idea works, he won't dismiss it out of hand. He'll tell you why he, why it doesn't work and we'll work with you to try to, you know, make it. There are a lot of times that I've pitched ideas for like spider girl that, you know, quite frankly, weren't Spider-Girl ideas because I was trying to include as much of the MC2 universe as possible. And Tom would say, that's a really neat idea, but it's not a Spider-Girl idea. Mm. How do we make it Spider-Girl centric? And we'll still pursue the idea, but we'll, uh, we'll pursue it through the correct lens and, and, and for all the right reasons. So, I mean, I, I've come up with a lot of ideas, some of them very personal. And you know that if you hand it over to DeFalco, it's going to be a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it's going to be clearly told, and it's going to be well told, and it's going to have a soul. And mm. you can't ask for more from a partner. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'll work with Tom anytime on anything. Uh, Tom, any to- any rebuttal? You, you like Ron? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I liked him. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where in that hole? Run the tape, Brad. Oh, I didn't I- say I liked him. <laughs> So Ron is very generous, and and he's generous with his ideas. You know, um, I've always found one thing very frustrating about Ron. Oh, here that, we go. You know, no, this is you know, I'm serious about this because um, it really pisses me off. <laughs> um, there, there are times when I work out a bit of business, a bit of visual business, and I I, I kind of work it out, and I do my sketches, I you know plot it out, and I send the plot to Ron, and Ron looks and goes, well, hey, that, that that's a lot of fun. You know, but what if we do this? And he comes up with a different visual that is always better, and I find that very annoying. <laughs> that's, that's why you were paying me, Editor-in-Chief. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think it's a, so important um, because, you know, you know, artists live in the visual. Um, you know, one thing with Ron, and, and he's gotten better over the years, um, in, in the past, he could never stop drawing. We would go out to dinner, and he'd be eating uh, his meal with one hand and sketching with the other. Uh, 
Yes, you used to do that all the time. You would always sketch the, the waitresses on your napkins and then, and then, you know, either give them to me to hand to them. <laughs> hand this to Rogue. No. <laughs> yeah. Keep in mind. Ron sketches, sketches are fabulous. Please yeah. keep in mind that he's a creative writer. And yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. I well, remember that constantly. <laughs> well, we have a few more quote unquote friends of Tom that join us. Uh, we have Rogue. No, I'm just kidding. We have <laughs> <laughs> we have JM Dematteis. Welcome, JM. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm fine. Hey, How are, are you guys doing? Are you, are you in Hello, the mood Tom. for roast? Hey, uh, yeah, <laughs> not, not, you know, I don't have that much time, so I don't want to roast Tom. He's too nice to roast. But okay. I'll tell you the story, true story of the first time we met, which, Tom, you probably don't remember this. Tom was editing Marvel Team Up at the time. I was brand new to Marvel. Maybe I'd done a couple of fill-ins and I, a shooter just brought me over. And I wanted to go pitch some Marvel Team Ups uh, ideas to Tom. Well, Tom at the time, he probably doesn't remember this either. He had, his desk was on a platform that was about four <laughs> feet in the air. Mm -hmm. Giant desk. And he would sit at this big chair. Look at the, he doesn't remember. And he would sit there in this giant desk on this platform just to intimidate people. And he glowered at you. He was, he, he, not a smile would pass his face. And I pitch him like three ideas for Marvel Team Up. He gets up from his chair. He jumps down from the four foot platform. He grabs me by the lapels, throws me against the wall and actually punched me right in the face. And he said sure. to me, if you ever bring me terrible ideas like that, again, you will rue the day that you were born. He actually said, rue the day. I've never met anybody who actually said rue the day. And he did. He said that. And because of that, though, I so wanted to please him that I became a better writer. So I owe my entire career to Tom for that day when he punched me in the face in his office. So, so he that's a true story. It's a true story. No, no, it it, it's an exaggeration. The, the platform was only three and a half feet high. <laughs> so he ruled by fear. I, I get you. I got you. Actually, you know, it is so the opposite of that. And Tom is, is and always has been one of the nicest human beings I've ever worked with in this business from the day I started with Tom. I don't know if you remember this, and this is the true part. I was still new to Marvel. I was working on Marvel Team Up. Shooter probably forced you to hire me on that book. Um, and every time I turn in a script, the phone would ring and Tom would call me up to tell me what, how much he loved the script. Now, I don't know if he was telling the truth or not, but it made me feel really good to know that my editor was taking the time to tell me how much he loved that script and enjoyed it. And that bolstered me, you know, and, and that was the kind of editor he was, you know, and a really skilled editor at that too. And um, the other thing that would, that I want to say to define Tom when he was editor and moving from editor to editor in chief, and, and and maybe you've heard this story before. We were we were plotting, we were putting together the clone saga. We had all the writers, all the artists locked away in some conference room in Manhattan, and this idea came up, and we all got very excited about it. And Tom was was not one of the writers on the books; he was editor in chief at the time. Danny Fingeroth, who was our editor, went and told Tom this wonderful idea that we had about the clone saga. Tom instantly decided it was the worst idea he'd ever heard and came to the meeting the second day to tell us that we couldn't do the idea. We were all so excited about the idea that we convinced him not only to let us to do the idea, but for Tom to take over as the writer of Spectacular Spider-Man. 
When, so, you know, when he was editor in chief, he was not ruling by fear. He was not putting himself on a platform above anyone. He always treated us like equals. Awesome. And always, I always felt like Tom was a friend right from the start. So, um, like I said, nothing but good things to say about Tom. Awesome. Tom, rebuttal? Did you rebuttal. have a platform? <laughs> Did you rule in fear? Were you a nice guy? Go ahead. <laughs> I, I don't remember how. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, listen, I'm, I'm a fan of the medium. And, uh, you know, I always loved, you know, JM's work. Um, I call him Mark. I always loved his work because his work is – it's so different from from mine. He approaches it in such a, a that you know dramatically different way from the way I I approach stories. That I found this stuff, you know, fascinating and enjoyable, and and I still love it to this day because mm -hmm. you know he he has such a philosophical way and such a beautiful way of putting words together that uh, you know I, you know. I love his stuff. And I love him, too. Uh, I love you, too, Tom. And now we've admitted it in public. Oh, no. <laughs> See, no. I always thought if I was gay, I would know it. So. <laughs> There's a theme tonight. What? <laughs> I'm glad I'm one of the first ones so I can get out soon yeah. here. <laughs> uh, any you know, the funny JM story? Oh, oh, go ahead. You know, I just Mark, want to say, you know, the, the other thing that happens, we've been, you know, we've all been doing this for a really long time. Mm -hmm. um, and the, at a certain point, what happens is that it stops being a professional relationship and it starts becoming a real friendship, you know? Yeah. And Tom, I have cherished your friendship all these years. I really have. So thank you. I, I, I feel the same way, sir. Yeah. Tom, any Mark stories that, that come to mind that are fun and that you can share? Uh. I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I'm drawing a, a blank here. Uh, I'm not oh, very yes. interesting or Wait amusing. A so, you know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, I, I can think of one. Uh, uh, Mark's wife was who was the minister who who married uh, Hildy and I. Oh, um, that's cool. And um, uh, 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 the day before we we're getting married, <laughs> we uh, were standing out there, and she starts to talk to us about our vows. And um, uh, I always, being a you know a very serious man, never, never to you know make light of any situation. Uh, as we're going over the vow, said to her, well, "What about the honor and obey part?" Uh, <laughs> and as I said that, uh, Mark, I could see him smile and turn turn his head away. <laughs> I don't know if you remember. You smiled. And you smiled. You turned your head away um, as, as Diane started to fume at me. <laughs> and of course, I'm trying to be oblivious. No, they don't say that anymore. You sure? Yeah. <laughs> and Hildy, of course, Hildy and I, of course, had discussed this previously. So, so she was just ready to, you know, smack me in the head because <laughs> she knew I was just. You know, go for the route. But, but I, I, I just I remember watching you smile and just try to turn <laughs> away so that you wouldn't burst into laughter because <laughs> you, you realize what was going on right away. It's funny. My my wife made me take that part out of the vows to also LD. So <laughs> she, <laughs> this does I not fly anymore. No, it no, did no. doesn't. <laughs> we have well, more. Not for the woman. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> we have more friends of DeFalco. We have Carl Potts in the house. What's up, Carl? Hello, hey, Carl. 
Welcome. All right. So we have Tom on a pedestal. We got a rogue love affair. <laughs> Carl, top those stories. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, I don't know if I can top them, but I got a couple from right when early in Tom's reign as uh, editor-in-chief. Um, okay. Uh, right after that, he was a guest at, a, I think it was a convention in Oakland, WonderCon in Oakland. And I was editing a book where the writer and the artist had been a little miffed at me because uh, the book had a big constant turnover and, and characters in it all the time. And I insisted that they, every issue, establish and reestablish the, the long and short-term status quo while on the run so that we could hopefully attract new readers and just, instead of just fighting a battle of attrition to hold on to the readers. And uh, those two cr creators cornered Tom at the Oakland Con and complained about it. So Tom comes back from this convention early in his reign as editor-in-chief and comes in, and I'm, I'm going to do my best Ralph Macchio version of impersonating Tom DeFalco. And he goes, hey, I didn't know what a good editor you was until those guys complained about you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, shortly after that, um, you know, I wanted to try and bring back some of the, the fun Marvel had around the bullpen and all that. And I did something fairly unusual for me, which was to, to try and start my own kind of practical joke at the office. And I, I brought in my classical travel fishing pole. And uh, I went into Ralph Macchio's office and put it together and had this invisible, uh, you know, monofilament line on it, very thin. And it was unusual at Marvel then because the 10th floor window is actually open. Most New York uh, buildings don't do that. Right. And uh, Ralph had this... Uh, six-inch figure dark side action figure that had glowing eyes on it and we tied it on and had it you know kind of bouncing walking down the sidewalk next to the people 10 floors below and every every, every once in a while someone would go to grab it and we yank it up over the awning of the of the uh, furniture store down there it looked like it just disappeared and to me like it's the ideal practical joke because there's nobody who's like the butt of the joke uh you know everybody's having a good time and the people that would from Marvel would be walking in and out uh, from the side door of the 20th uh, floor, 28th Street uh, door. And most of them thought it was funny too. But one of them was the office manager at the time who didn't have much of a sense of humor. <laughs> and she thought it was just horrible what we were doing. So she walked up to publisher Mike Hobson's office on the 11th floor and complains. And Mike comes down to the uh, editorial row, opens Ralph's door, and I happen to be the one with the uh, the pole out the window. And Ralph's sitting at the desk taking a, a real actual business call. Uh, so he looks like he's totally innocent. Tries to gestures at me and shrugs and kind of tries to throw me under the bus. <laughs> and Mike wasn't fooled, though. And he, he stroked his mustache and goes, boys, what are you doing? And, uh, so I quickly reeled it in and disassembled it. And... Uh, Mike said something about going down to talk to Tom about it. So for the rest of the day, I'm expecting to be called down to Tom's office and reamed out over, over this outrage. Um, and five o'clock passes. I haven't got heard from Tom. Uh, five 30 comes down. I figure I better go down there and see what the hell's up. So I go in and I ask Tom, Dude, was there something you wanted to see me about? And he goes, no, what? And I go, uh, you know, did, the, did the Hobson come down here? And he goes, yeah, I closed the door. And he said, you know what those guys are doing? And Tom says, what guys? And he says, Bots and Macchio. 
And as he's trying to say it, he starts howling with laughter. And um, uh, that made me realize that the, the culture that we'd had before things had gotten dark for a while had returned. And now I was working for the right guys. That's awesome. I love that you were dangling a DC action figure out the Marvel offices, not a Spider-Man figure, a dark side. Dark side. And, and actually, Mike came into the office and said, do you know what those two idiots are doing? And I looked at it and said, which two idiots? Narrow it down. We had, we had more than enough. And then he, he, he started to tell me, and, and he did burst into laughter, and he laughed so hard, I had this this couch in my office. He fell on the couch, <laughs> and, and he just couldn't stop laughing. Uh, when he finally calmed down, he told me the story, and he said, "Yes, you know, Carl is just you know fishing at, out, outside the window, and poor Ralph is trying to work." And I said, <laughs> and I said "Poor Ralph." I said, "I said, Mike, wake up. You know Ralph." <laughs> and I said. And he said, you know, don't forget to go talk to those guys. I said, yep, I'll talk to them. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I walked down I, and I said to, to, to Ralph, I said, don't fish out the window anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he says, are we in trouble? And I said, I don't think so. And, and, uh, and I, I, I'm sorry, Carl, I, I got distracted and never got to you. <laughs> That's funny. Well, we're, since we're on the topic of practical jokes, one of your guests, it was Carl, uh, I wanted me to ask you about uh, the, you and Mark Grunewald played a series of practical jokes on each other without discussing the practical jokes. And it ended up with you being in trouble at airport security. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One time they uh, they cut out uh, they folded up some piece of aluminum in the shape of a gun. Oh God! Jeez. And they they stuck it in, into my um, carry-on. Oh. oh no! And 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 uh, this is you know way before airport security became what, what airport security was. So the, it goes through this the the scanner and they're looking at it going, what the heck? What is that thing? <laughs> and they open up my, my my bag and they can't they can't find it because it's under the lining. Oh! And, and they keep running it through and they lift it up and and they they finally find it. You know. And meanwhile, I'm you know I'm completely oblivious. I don't know what the heck they they're talking. I thought you know I, I didn't know what. And they hold it up and I go, oh god. <laughs> and they said, what is this? And I said. I work for Marvel Comics. <laughs> go on and through. They, <laughs> and they go, oh, <laughs> that, that was the that, that was more than enough explanation. Uh, and, and meanwhile, Grody is is waiting for me, and and sweating bullets um, because I I don't know how he exp how how he expected me to react. So I, you know, I get my my bag. They put everything back. I go go, go and join Mark, and he goes. Uh, was there a problem? Eh, no, not really. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> but That's we, never, we never discussed our you know, practical jokes. One yeah. of the things Grooney used to do all the time is whenever I'd be on a business trip, and they used to send me on, on a lot of them, um, anything to keep me out of the office so I couldn't screw things up. 
Um, <laughs> Mark would rearrange my bookshelves. Um, sometimes he'd put the books in alphabetical order, sometimes reverse alphabetical order, sometimes by character. He'd just rearrange the bookshelves. I, I, <laughs> he must have spent a lot of time doing that on a regular basis. Um, I would always walk into the office look to try to figure out how he had rearranged it this time. <laughs> and then later on in the day, I, you know, or, or the next day I'd be talking to him and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like in, in this story, and I'd walk to the book, bookshelf and pull out the book I needed exactly and, 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 and hand it to him without ever mentioning the fact that I knew he rearranged <laughs> That's funny. Uh, we had another practical joke question or not practical joke, but a funny instant about when president Jim uh, Galton was uh, cool. president of Marvel and the company culture was to be modeled by those at the top. And we, they want to know the time Galton came down to your office and saw you deep in thought. <laughs> Remember that? Talk about that story. <laughs> um, I, I I was sitting at my desk, my feet up on the desk, staring at the wall. Okay. Um, and uh, what had happened is uh, earlier, uh, I think it was Ralph and, and Mark had come in. They, they were working on the Avengers and they ran into a, you know, uh, a wall uh, plotting a story mm -hmm. and they couldn't figure out how to resolve it. Um, and uh, so they explained to me that what the problem was and I, was sitting there thinking about it, and um, and and I finally figured out how to resolve the, you know, how to resolve the plot, and I as I got out off my, you know, off my chair, I, I started to walk down to the office, and my secretary was there, and she said, "Oh, um, uh, Jim Galton was here, and he wanted to see you." I said, "He was here, and he wanted to see me." She said, "Yeah." I said, "Why did he come in?" He said, "I don't know." But he wants you to come up as soon as you're not busy. And I thought, great. The president of the company sees me, you know, my feet up on the desk staring at the wall. <laughs> so I ran down to Ralph's office. I told him the solution that I thought would work in the story. Uh, you know, he liked it. And then I ran up to Golden's office. And I said to Jim, I said, uh, hey, Jim, you were looking for me? He said, yeah, yeah. And he wanted to go over something. And, he, and I said to him, why didn't you come in? And he said to me, listen, when I see you staring at the wall, I know that's when I'm really getting my money's worth out of you. <laughs> he says, if you're, if you're there filling out forms or working on a budget, I'll, I'll just come right in. But if you're staring at the wall, <laughs> I know you're, you're making money for me. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, man, this guy really understands the creative process. That's nice, yeah. And, 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 and here's the thing with Jim Galton. Um, for years, I always thought he came from an editorial background, but at a certain point, I discovered he was a former accountant, hmm. and I, it just threw me because you know, yeah. anytime we'd have problems with the accountants or that sort of stuff, he he would always go with editorial side, side or the sales department. He would always lean toward editorial, so I just assumed he was one of us. And I, I said that to him one time. I, I just thought you were an editorial guy. He said, "Listen here," he said. You know, we're publishing we're publishing comic books here. Right. We're not publishing accounting, you know, folders. <laughs> he said, so I know I know which side, you know, to back. 
That's funny. Uh, in, ch in chat, we have Greg says, sounds like Brad has done his research with these questions. No, Carl sent me an email to ask these questions. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <what> <laughs> I will yep. not take credit for that. But yep. Thank you, Carl, guys. Good. I, have, I apologize, but I have to go. No problem. Thank you for so, joining uh, us. Thank Enjoy you for joining us, night. Mark. Tom, always a pleasure. Carl, good to see you, Ron. Bye. Everybody. My best to Diane. Okay, bye. Right. Bye. That, that, uh, those stories kind of illustrate that, that during that period when um, Galton Hobson, who is the, uh, the publisher, and Tom were in charge, was uh, it was a great uh, just culture, uh, corporate culture for a creative company. Um, they all had the right attitude. Um, they were, you know, I felt if I had a, a, an issue or a problem and a, a disagreement with any of them, which is very rare, I could uh, give my side and, and present my case and have an honest chance of, uh, you know, winning them over. Or if they decided they wanted to go in another direction, they knew I wasn't going to half-ass it because it wasn't what I wanted to do. They knew I was going to be a pro and knuckle down and do the best I could. And that was the kind of, you know, professional attitude that I, I liked. And all the while, we're having fun at the same time. So it was just the best place to be. Gregory Wright, I recognize the name. It was is an artist, right? Editor, colorist, <laughs> writer, everything. There you go. I, I recognize. Uh, he says, when Tom became editor-in-chief, he sent around a memo informing us that the color yellow was not to be used on any hero again because it was the color of cowardice. Some editors did not understand it was his way of making a joke after the previous chief. Or was it? <laughs> Tom, re respond. <laughs> there, there, there was a story about Stan once going and looking at a, at a bunch of covers and, and studying covers and, and looking at Iron Man saying, should, should Iron Man have a nose? Why does an Iron Man have a nose? Yeah. And um, somebody overheard Stan say that. And they ran around and they put noses on, 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 on the armor and and this was published for for i think a month or two and then stan came was looking at covers and he looked he goes what the heck why does iron man have a nose <laughs> and um it, and that just said to me you got to be careful of what you say yeah. uh, as editor-in-chief because people you know People may think you're serious. So I figured I'd dispel the fact that I was serious right away with that, <laughs> that stupid memo. I think there were there were a couple of things in that memo, but yeah, I remember the yellow the That's yellow. Gregory, I like that. Hey, let's bring another one of your friends in. Bob Budiansky. What's up, Bob? Welcome to the party. Bob. Uh, hi everybody. Hi, Tom. Um, Tom, it's great being here with you. I'm happy to help you celebrate 50 years in the comic book industry so uh you know looking forward looking forward to the next 50. Uh, <laughs> anyway so i'm supposed to figure out something uh, nice to say uh, or something but, uh, i'll skip past that part but in any case <laughs> so I'll, I'll tell a story about tom's tom's style of running the show um when i was a marvel editor tom was editor-in-chief at this point um and it was it was really great working with tom and you know what I what I really liked was how he made decisions, and he, he looked at every detail. He you know 
looked at all the different angles of it, all the different possibilities. And there was one time when, um, in 1990, Marvel had made the decision to bring in-house the licensing of Marvel trading cards, so all the creative was done in-house. So Tom came down to my office. I was an editor. Um, you know, the idea was that Marvel could do it a lot more profitably, make do a much better job, and it really was kind of like a million-dollar bet because they were they were putting a lot of a lot of uh, resources into this potentially. So he came down to my office, and uh, he poked his head in the doorway. He said, "Bob, what do you know about trading cards?" I said, <laughs> "Well, when I was nine years old, I used to collect baseball cards." He said, "Great." You're now the guy who's in charge of Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was there for 30 seconds. <laughs> I, I, I think that's the kind of uh, careful consideration he brought to every one of his decisions while he was at the chief. But uh, I wasn't there for all of them. But anyway. Um, well, it worked. Those cards were very successful, Bob. Yeah, I love them. Tom had an instinct, I guess. You know, I'm not, I'm not putting him down for it. You know, but yeah. you know, he was a busy I man. Those cards. I guess he read from, went from office to office saying, "Do this, do this, do this," and he just kind of moved on. And the main thing was for him to clear these jobs off his desk and put them on somebody else's. So, uh, so Tom, I admire your style. <laughs> what, what you're not mentioning is you you were in charge of our posters uh, previous to that. Well, I didn't just walk in the door the day before. That is true. Yeah, nah, so, so I thought, you know, Bob's got experience with these single images. So, yeah. And I thought, yeah. and, and listen, um, Bob and Carl, I, I owe you guys a, a, a you know, a, a great debt. Um, um, on, on many an occasion, uh, the, the people of the 11th floor and I, um, had disagreements and um, occasionally I would be somewhat loud in my disagreements with them on the phone and I would uh, you know tell them that I was about I'll be right up there you guys and I'd slam down the phone and then I'd you know walk out of my walk out of my office and Mark Grunwald, Bob, and Carl, the three of them would be at that door. You, you guys had heard me screaming, uh, <laughs> let's say talking in, a, in an agitated way, and um, would stand there and then ask me a bunch of silly questions, or, you know, try to come up with things to distract me, to prevent me from walk, storming upstairs. Because <laughs> you knew that if I had gotten upstairs in, in that kind of temper, things would not have gone well. <laughs> Well, we were afraid. We were afraid if you did something like that, you'd get fired, and then one of us would be the next in line to take the to take all the bullets from upstairs. So we wanted to keep you as a human shield to protect the rest. Of you. <laughs> yeah, you, really you were like you had nothing to do with you, Tom. It was all <laughs> you were like our lead umbrella that was protecting us from radiation from the front row. <laughs> well, so we appreciate the, you taking all those uh, arrows for us. You know. But listen, guys, I, I do appreciate you. are a target right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a target. Well, anyway I, just, anyway, I just wanted to go on and say a couple more things. So um, yeah. first of all, I want to say, like, Tom, even before he was editor-in-chief, he gave me my first opportunity to draw a full-length Marvel book, which was a what-if story. So I thank him for that. He gave me my first opportunity to, do, to draw a regular series. Thank him for that. 
all the years that I worked for him as an editor on his staff and he was editor in chief, um, you know, besides dumping the trading cards on me, which was wonderful, it was a great experience. He gave me all sorts of weird and bizarre pro uh, projects. We were a great team together. He was, if he knew what, if he knew what, if he knew that you knew something, he gave you autonomy. He, he worked with you to, to empower you. He was a great leader and a great boss in that respect. Um, he, uh, and, and, and then if, 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 if you put out a comic book that maybe, you know, didn't hit all the marks, you know, there was some problems with it. He would come in and say, he wouldn't go all crazy. He would say, you get it right next month. You know, he would, he, would, you know, he had a little bit of forgiveness in him, which I think uh, went a long way to, uh, you know, getting the support of his editors and making them want to try even harder for the next month. And, um, and that was great. He, he was really a, a pleasure to work with all those years. And, um, but I do have a long, a long standing beef with him. Oh, and here he we knows. Go. I've talked to him about this on more than one occasion. So in 1985, I was already, um, I was the writer of the Transformers comic book. And in 1985, of all things, Women's Day magazine came to Marvel and asked Marvel to produce a four-page Transformers story for their Christmas issue, for their December issue of Women's Day, Women's Day magazine. And so Tom came to me. I was the writer. And uh, Herb Trimpey, the late, great Herb Trimpey, and he was the artist. He said, you guys, I need a four-page story. You know, so I said, sure, I can, I can write up a story for you. So, um, so I wrote the story. And uh, Herb did a tremendous job illustrating it. And I included in my, my script for it, I included our credits. You know, this is like a national magazine. This wasn't just a comic book. And Tom, in his great wisdom, said, nah, no credits. This is coming from Marvel, not from you guys. And like, I was like stunned. Like, like Tom, like this is a national magazine. Even if it's, even if it's Women's Day, it's, it's not just a comic book. You know, like real adults are going to see this sort of thing. I said, nah. So the book went out. And I've never, you know, without credits, I've never forget, never forgave him. You know, every time I see him, I always bring it up. Still, still a thorn in my side, you know. However, this you just came right out. Of my what was that? You were right, and I was wrong. Well, yes, okay, we agree on that. So, <laughs> so this came out about a month ago. Here, I'll, I'll full screen you. There you go. Transformers: The Rarity. Okay. Yeah. The first reprint. Okay, hold on. Oh, the first it. reprint of the first reprint of the night the night the Transformers saved Christmas. <laughs> you got a credit in there? The first reprint of it, the night the Transformers saved Christmas. And so finally, after all this time, I got Herb and I got our credits. There you are. Despite Tom's best efforts. To stop <laughs> getting credit, so there, Tom. I had to wait. Had to wait thirty-seven years, but it was worth the wait. And IDW owes you reprint money on that. Yeah, you, know, you know what? If everybody who published my reprinted stories, who's not Marvel, pay me money, I would be like, I'd be in the, I'd have millions of but dollars. But they all owe it to you. Work for hire is a very fragile thing. Yeah, they, well, they may own the copyright, but they don't own the work for hire. Well, I, I guess I get a, get a, I'll get a lawyer. I mean, I'll, I'll talk to you after. Maybe have somebody. <laughs> <to write. laughs> but anyway, thanks again, and uh, it's great being here and help helping celebrate this occasion. Well, stay on the line. We got some more people. We got chats. Uh, Milo 
Hey, Brad, it's my birthday, and this is the best part of my birthday so far. So happy birthday, and thanks for the super chat there, Milo. Hey, Milo. That's awesome. Happy and birthday. Uh, Greg, Gregory says Tom has always given all credit to Ron on all their stories. True story. Ron, there you go. He credits you, Ron. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Uh, Adam says, uh, my first amazing Spider-Man comic when I was four was the black costume Spidey versus Puma. Thanks for helping me uh, make me a fan for life, Tom and Ron. And we got Gregory saying again, secret about Tom. If he was in a bad mood, turning the conversation to Ron's art would distract him and put him in a better mood. <laughs> I feel, I feel very used at this point, Greg. I'm very, I'm very used. <laughs> you feel used. <laughs> uh, let's see. Greg also says Tom understood all of his people. Uh, Derek says Marvel wouldn't be what it is today without you, Tom. Uh, Milo is back. He says Tom DeFalco is saying happy birthday to me. Made my life complete. <laughs> <laughs> Milo, wow. Milo, Milo. Milo, you got to get out more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have more friends of DeFalco. We have Mariano. What's going on, Mariano? How are you, sir? Hello, everybody. Good evening. Welcome. And good evening to you, Mr. DeFalco. Hello, Mariano. <laughs> tell, tell us some good Tom stories. We're here to roast the man. So I, I've got some Marvel 90 stuff, but we're actually going to jump ahead to the present. Because okay. in the present, if you notice... If keen observers of this broadcast will look at Mr. Friends' room, in the back there, on the shelf, is this little goodie. Oh, here, I'll full screen you. Hold on. There you go. The right project. Available right now on Indiegogo, by the way. <laughs> I had the pleasure. I had the pleasure of working with Tom and Ron on this project. And... Super professional guys. I, I, I work with a lot of industry professionals. I, I still do. Over the decades I have, I still do. Gentlemen all, one and all. But I am here to say all this talk of Mr. DeFalco being a nice guy. Um, not true. Not true. Okay. And, and it's not hearsay for me. You're going to hear it in his own words. But I'm going to play. Hopefully, hopefully this comes through on the broadcast. Okay. okay. Bear with me a few seconds. We're going we're gonna to do a test one. Now, this is a, a professional, that is worldwide, indispensable-known guy. This is what this is the kind of message I'm used to hearing. So hold on one second. Let's, hopefully this will play. <laughs> For Tom's sake, I bet it doesn't. <laughs> I uh, just read your book, Stanley's poem, God Will Kiss I don't know where the hell I've been. I never heard of this before. This, this is freaking incredible. What a, what a, uh, it's a masterpiece. This is totally phenomenal. It's powerful, moving, everything about it. It's just incredible. I just want to let you know that. Thank you so much. Bye. That was Greg Hildebrand. That's, that's the kind of message I'm used to getting. The professional, uh, complimentary, nice. We're going to play a Mr. DeFalco message. <laughs> just just by comparison, you know. Okay. Bear with me a few seconds as we get my high-tech equipment going here. All right. Let's try a Mr. DeFalco message. 
you should be standing by this phone 24 hours a day on the off chance that I might deign to call you. <laughs> you know, I'm just shocked, shocked that, that you, you don't have that attitude. <laughs> this, this just can't go on this way. I'll speak to you some other time. Bye. <laughs> 24 hours later. 24, yeah. not, not even, really not even 24 hours later, less than 24 hours later. <laughs> what did I say to you about waiting at the phone 24 hours a day? Insult against God, man, and all that is holy and good. Next time this happens, not only will you be excommunicated, but, you know, we're going to bar you from New York bagels for a week. <laughs> now, again, is is that is it? Is this a nice guy? Is this like Wait a, a, a professional? professional? You, you're supposed to be there at my beck and call. <laughs> <laughs> the right project on Indiegogo. Here, hold on. Let me give you a full screen. Hold it back up. Hold it back up. You got it. There it is, Wait, right there. And variant covers. Variant covers. Oh, and, a, and a chrome one, too. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I kid because I love. Now, obviously, he's joking around. Obviously, he's, Let's go back to the 1990s now. Because okay. that's when I really got to know Tom. Uh, he was editor-in-chief. I actually was an art director in advertising and promotion. And I got to know all the editors because during as part of that job, I had to interface with editorial, get artwork, get information about upcoming books and so on. And I got to know Tom, always professional, always helpful, always mentoring. And after a few years at Marvel, an opportunity came up where an editorial position opened up. And Tom made it possible for me to transition from being an art director in advertising and promotions to being an editor. And I also worked with these two gentlemen down here. Hi, guys. Um, so really, a lot of what I'm experiencing now, 20 years later or whatever in the industry, is because of the opportunity that Tom gave me to break into editorial. So for that, for, for a, a lifetime, I will owe him forever. So he's a great guy. He's a mentor, and and I'm enjoying every second of working with him now in the in the here and now. Right. So Tom, since you owe your career to me, is it too much to ask that you stand by your phone? <laughs> <laughs> Notice there aren't any messages from Ron. You know why there aren't any messages from Ron? I pick up Ron's call every time. <laughs> When Ron sends a message, it's like Mission Impossible dissolves. Tom's just <laughs> lingers on your voicemail, evidently. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, any uh, rebuttals, Tom? Anything about all that? <laughs> no, I, I don't want to give him an opportunity to sell again. Hi, hi, hi. We've got, um, let's see. We've got Miss. We've got one more guest. We've got Barbara on the line. It's a girl. It's a girl. Yes. What, what are you doing in this industry? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, Am I on? You're on. 
Kevin. Here we are. Say Tom. some good things about Tom or not. Tom. Tom. <laughs> I know we're here to honor you. 50 years. 50 years in this comic industry. Amazing. <laughs> but now that you're an old, rich, married man, resting <laughs> on your laurels, I hope you understand that I only have 10 minutes. I only have 10 minutes here. So I'm just going to go ahead and plug my autobiography, if you don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here, I'm going to share the screen. And this is a story. This is the comic version of my autobiography. And this is about the first time that you and I met. Okay, you ready for this? I don't have your screen yet, Barbara, uh, if you want to. I'm going to share. Okay, and I'll pop it up. Vinkman is in chat, says he's looking at Ron's shelf, and the right project is right over his shoulder, too. Like, the, we have we have product placement on this show. Are we able to share this? Ah, uh, here it is, share screen. Yep, and share tab. Okay, I'm going to have to get Richard. To share the screen, I don't know. <laughs> and here he is, wow. my tech man. It says, um, select a window or screen. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pop up on mine and I can pop it on the yeah. screen. Allow. Here. Select window. Here we are. Allow. Okay. Oh, I are. see something. Here we go. Oh, there you are. We got it. Now, this is is all very sketchy. And this is right after I lost my angel love contract. I was devastated. I made my cold calls in the morning. Comics for girls? Ha, ha, ha. Girls don't read. Oops, you were sharing. Let me get rid of this. We're in the business to make money. Hello, this is Barbara Slate. Didn't you almost destroy the whole comic industry with that feminist angel love? One brutal cold call morning. This is Barbara Slate. No, it was hard not to take that personally. On a gray day, Gary Cohn, my friend and DC creator called. Boxy Fox, the high fashion forest. I write, you draw. We need to get this done for the Chicago Comic Con. Gary and I created characters, Bibles, stories, and Foxy Fox was ready for the big time. The con was packed. Gary and I made the rounds deciding which publishers were worthy to look at our masterpiece. We turned the corner when suddenly there before us was Marvel. (laughs) Gary whispered, that's Tom DeFalco, editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. I followed Gary's lead. Excuse us, but this is Barbara Slade and I'm Gary Cohn and we have a project we'd like to. Tom didn't look up from portfolio reviewing. Six o'clock at the hotel coffee shop. I could tell he was a man of few words. (laughs) We were excited. If Tom likes us, it would be, we'd be doing a monthly Marvel comic. Riches beyond our wildest dreams. At six o'clock in the hotel coffee shop, Gary and I presented Tom with Foxy Fox. Tom glanced, 
15 seconds later, he handed a box back and said, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> then Tom got up. That's it? Meeting over? I knew that Tom was a man of few words, but those were way too few. I hollered out, hey, Tom, is Marvel ever going to do a girl's mind? I'm thinking about it. Call me in the city. <laughs> I called Tom. Tom asked, what have you got? Femme fatale, lover, stalker, healer, killer. I showed Tom the femme fatale Bible, stories, plot line. I knew she was perfect for Marvel. But the man of few words appeared to have the same enthusiasm for femme fatale as he did for Foxy Fox. Well, uh, thank you for seeing me. And when I was practically out the door, he yelled, if you got anything else, I'll take a look. <laughs> I was encouraged and knew exactly what to do. Trina, Marvel is thinking about a girl's line. Let's collaborate. Ha, ha, girl's line at that old boys club. They're too busy drawing women with gigantic breasts to even know what a real girl looks like. <laughs> so uh, let's, do, let's do it. Trina Robbins and I worked up a proposal called Sunny and Dawn. We talked for hours, sent scripts back and forth, and wrote stories for the first three comics. The day of the pitch, I felt confident. How could he refuse? In the 80s, Trina and I were the top two women creators for girls in mainstream comics. Actually, we were the only ones, but that's not the point. <laughs> but when I showed Tom Sunny and Dawn, the man of few words puffed on his cigar and said, if you got anything else, I'll take a look. <laughs> I couldn't contain myself. I get it. There is no girl's line. Actually, I was thinking of a 48-page black and white comic for the 21 and over woman about life in the city. Would you be interested in writing and drawing it? To be continued. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to stop sharing. Okay. Here, I can, I can take it out. Okay. I'm back. So that awesome. book became a three-part graphic novel, Yuppies from Hell. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to get a little mushy now. I adore you. You have been my greatest supporter. I don't know what I would have done without you, really. And thank you for being my editor-in-chief for five years, publishing over 100 of my comics, and best of all, being my friend for 35 years. I adore you. So thank you. Thank you for that. That's awesome. And why don't you tell these guys what you often called me? <laughs> I called you the idiot. I'm sorry. Yes. Oh. <laughs> you were so easy. <laughs> it sounds like it was a loving term, Barbara. It was. I, I, I was, you know, it's, it was so, I, I just felt so lucky to be more. I, I mean, look, at that time, there were really no girls working for Mar you can see, I think, how many women have we had tonight? 10, 11? How many? After Hildy, <laughs> you're in. Where's Hildy? There's Hildy. In the editorial department, we had more women working it during my time than at any other time. It's true. And then we had yeah. women writers and artists. You know, we had plenty of women working. 
working. They were doing this, you know, the superhero stuff. Well, Tom, do you want to tell the story about Barbie when I stopped you in the hall to show you my Barbie comic? The story about um, Barbie talking to poor Skipper who had a dream and telling about this beautiful dream that that's. Do you remember the story? Is, is this with the ad? Yes. <laughs> and, and Barbara, I have a bunch of your Barbie comics up here that you wrote. Oh, it's from your website. So, yeah. Thank you. Continue on with my website, if you will. <laughs> and my wife, Hildy, was the editor of Barbie. Oh, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> and, you know. 1992 and 93 Parent and Choice <laughs> Award, Barbie. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So tell the story, Tom. Okay. So Barbara is showing me this this sweet little Barbie story. And she says, and she, and she has this beautiful dream and she turns the page and there was a, an ad for some hideous video game. Oh, really? It was a gross, disgusting image that I didn't even want in the regular comic, but I, I flipped it and I saw this thing and I just, you know, I behaved badly. I looked at it and I, I crunched it in my hands and I went storming up in a very nice and polite way to have a little discussion with the with our ad, ad sales people. Um, and um, uh, that discussion went very nicely because uh, <laughs> I, I basically said we should not have these sort of ads in our, in, 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 uh, in our children's comics. Yeah. Um, uh, and and I, I might have been a little loud. Uh. <laughs> I, I heard you. But the, that appeared at the perfect time when Barbie was saying to Skipper, here is the beautiful dream. And you turn the page and there it is. It was... Yeah. Do you remember what they were selling? What was the it was placed perfectly? Yeah, it was some sort of video game. Um, oh yeah, that's. Funny. And uh, after that, the the sales department broke. You know, uh, started separating the children's comics from the you know Marvel <laughs> comics. So they, they, they we we never ran into that problem again. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. And and I, and the salesperson's hearing did recover at a certain point. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we have more guests for Tom. We have and Barbara, everybody stay on the line. I, I can have ten cameras on at once. So once we hit ten, I gotta start taking some people. Oh, okay, but if I have to run out, I have to see if Serena's winning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Our next guest for Tom is Pat Olaf. What's going on, Pat? How are you, sir? Hey everybody! Hey Tom! Hey. Tom, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. What have you done for me lately? <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. That was that's the uh, the standard greeting. Yes. The next. So, go ahead. Go ahead. So we're sharing funny Tom stories. Do you have any? Well, it's funny he mentions that. Uh, uh, what have you done for me lately? Because I was thinking about it earlier today. That there's a little anecdote, little story that I don't, I don't think ever told Tom or even Ron. And 
uh, it was not long after I'd started at Marvel. Um, I, they, they, I got a chance to go out to the Chicago convention. Um, uh, and I remember standing in line at the hotel checking in, and there was stand. There was a couple of Marvel guys also checking in. It was a, I, it was an assistant editor uh, was in line with me. I can't remember his name right now, but he was asking me what I was working on. It was after Thor. You're breaking up. It was after you working on Thor. I think I heard. Uh -oh. uh, we might. It's frozen. Nope, his audio's just gone. His audio's gone? Yeah, I can't. Can you guys hear him? I can't hear him. No, I can't no. hear him. Okay. Maybe, Pat, maybe come back, come out and come back in. That might help it. There we go. Draw pictures. <laughs> <laughs> is, this, is this a commercial break? Are we okay, on? hold on. Hold on. All right. There you go. No, hold it up. Wait until I full screen you, Mark. All right. Here, all right. Here we go. There you go, man. <laughs> Pick that Ron up and do that. Ron, Ron can, do that. Where yes, can we pick it. that up, by the way? Indiegogo. You got only, <laughs> only on Indiegogo. Indiegogo. All right. For now. Yeah. Anybody have another funny Tom story while we get Pat back? Oh, <laughs> speak of the devil. Here it comes. You're back. I sir. returned. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Welcome. So, when last we left our story, uh, I was in. I was talking to an assistant editor about working with Tom, and he kind of flinched for a second. And uh, he said he, he loved working with Tom, but he said Tom was scary. <laughs> and, and I had no idea what he was talking about. It was early in my career. I said I don't. I haven't experienced that. I don't know what he's talking about. So, but it was in the back of my head, so that I remember in subsequent conversations, Tom would say in his New York accent, hey, "Mr. Pat, what have you done for me lately?" But that story of scary Tom was in the back of my head. So he would say, Mr. Pat, what have you done for me lately? And my reaction was, what? Why? Why? Am I <laughs> Why are you asking? So, um, you know, obviously that that wasn't my experience moving forward. It was it was it was great working with him. Um, the only other story that I remember about working with Tom was the craziness of our time on Spider-Girl, where it seemed like every 10 minutes we were about to get canceled. So after a handful of issues, when this was going to be it, and there was a Spider-Girl world and the end for now, and Tom and I would, you know, uh, um, you know, congratulate each other on a run, and we did a good job, and then we get a call, no, 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 you're still going. And we go, oh, oh. And we go a little bit further. It was, this, it, was a, it was amazing that the character ran for 10 years, but there were so many gear shifts along the Yeah. Oh, yeah. I lost him again. Yep, he's still there. Uh, yeah. I don't hear anything. Oh, oh, and we lost him again. Um, but here, I've got, um, we showed it a little earlier, uh, the beautiful art by Ron and Pat on the first 100 issues of Spider-Girl. You can see his art right there. Just beautiful stuff between you guys. Just wow. Love it. Fabulous job. Wonderful. If you go back and look, Every, every issue that ends on a full page, full pager, we thought yeah. that was going to be the last issue. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. And so is that right? Why you always wrote the end for now? Is that what you Yeah, <laughs> because we never knew. You never knew. On. Oh, there's Pat. He's back. <laughs> Hello. You're Hello. back. We can hear you. We can hear you. No. Yeah, they kept telling us it was going to be the last issue. 
because the sales department would always predict, you know, uh, you know, according to the direct market, sales would go down. Um, but we never went down. So yeah, they'd come come to the issue. They'd look at the the, the numbers and they'd say, uh, uh, "You actually went up." Um, yeah. And 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 here's something that uh, Pat and I and Ron were, were all very proud of. Um, at one point, they re released digest books. Yep. Um, and um, for a while there, we were Marvel's best-selling trade paperbacks. We were selling anywhere between 100 and 120,000 copies. Um, Didn't they put know, those in like book fairs too, like Scholastic they, and stuff? They, they were they were all over the place. Yeah. Um, and awesome. uh, was actually doing really its job as an outreach comic to general audiences and. Uh, so naturally, it couldn't last. Yeah. <laughs> what did you end up doing? What? How many did you end up doing? Yeah, I, I think they did, did four or five. Uh, I was a few more than that, but it, it, it went away because of shenanigans from Scholastic. So. Uh -huh. Yes. Scholastic decided that they, uh, they wanted a discount that was just too ridiculous. Crazy, so. yeah. Our, our, our friend Kelly from the show says they were in book fairs too. So yeah, they were do you remember seeing fairs. them in book fairs? So, well, uh, that was great to have Pat on. Uh, we have another guest, a friend of DeFalco. We have Danny Fingeroth in the house. What's going on, Danny? How are you, sir? Hey. Oh my God. Hello. Hey. Hi. Hey. Wow. My <laughs> hair is, uh, is uh, <laughs> <laughs> Put the wrong toupee on, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell Tom, us some fun Tom stories. Feel free to roast the man. Well, you know, I thought I would totally impromptu, off the cuff, do a top ten list. Oh my! Right? <laughs> top ten DeFalco memories, quotes, or pizza toppings. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, you, as you guys all know, but maybe the audience doesn't, over the years, the DeFalco impression turned into Yogi Bear. I'm not quite sure the evolution, but basically when anybody in the office would do an impression of Tom, so I'm not sure if I'm going to lapse into that in any of these quotes, because they do range from the sublime to the ridiculous and beyond. But right. number 10, Tom DeFalco memory quote or pizza topping. I'm hearing of our plans for the Cologne Saga, some of you might have heard, to replace Peter with Ben. Tom observed, that didn't mean that Mary Jane's been intimate with a clone all these years. <laughs> did not use the phrase intimate with. <laughs> um, and, uh, as, awesome. as, as Mr. DeMattis noted, the next day Tom had signed on as one of the writers of the Cologne Saga. <laughs> um, when asked why, by me why Spider-Man does what he does because um, uh, Peter sometimes says it's to earn money for his family or to have fun or to stick it to Jonah Jameson but because of great power there must also there, there must also come great responsibility I asked Tom well which is it and Tom said Peter doesn't have a clue <laughs> sometimes he thinks it's one reason sometimes another uh, that's what makes him just a, like a real person. Why he's such a great character, which was one of my 
you know, that was such a great insight into, into Peter Parker and Spider-Man. This next one is a very inside baseball quote. Some of you will know the reference. I will not explain, but it's what's playing at the drive-in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You gotta you gotta give some context to that. Okay, well, it's I'm done. I mean <laughs> I'll I'll finish the list and we can get back uh, <laughs> um top ten uh, pizza topping would be a baby seal pepperoni. <laughs> <laughs> Top 10 that uh, Tom DeFalco memory quote a pizza topping. Tom referred to me in a raise review as an editorial pit bull, which was a nice way of saying I was a big pain in the ass. So I appreciate <laughs> appreciated Tom's tact. Here's one of the more famous uh, Tom quotes. Yeah, his cat fed at DC. <laughs> um, <laughs> After I left Marvel, I went to run a line of digital comics for Byron Price, the late Byron Price. And when I needed advice, Tom, having no life, was always available on Friday. <laughs> Listen to the to me complain about uh, what was going on and ask for advice and uh, what he thought of stuff. And uh, that was really important, Tom. To get serious for a moment, you know, true, you had no life, but the fact that you were available to take my calls. And really, um, you know, working working for a small company like Byron Price was a whole different ball game than working at Marvel, with its own unique set of, of challenges and problems. So I thank you for that. Uh, the top ten Tom DeFalco memory quote: "A pizza topping." Number number three. Tom was the one who figured out uh, that mutants had the sign of the M, which was genius on their palm. Which is genius because as he, I actually needed him to point this out to me, everybody has the sign of the M. <laughs> I remember doing that as a kid. Wasn't it in Firestar that you wrote that yes. or something? Oh, yeah, I yeah. remember that. I'm yeah. like, I'm a mutant. I was like seven. You traumatized me, Tom. I it was a mutant. <laughs> Number two, top 10 Tom DeFalco memory quote of pizza topping the crushed dreams of freelancers. <laughs> and the number one Tom DeFalco memory quote a pizza topping an indictment is not a conviction <laughs> I've never actually been convicted <laughs> no. people often confuse indictments with convictions never actually convicted <laughs> so that um no, Tom, um, just to add on, to pile on, um, you know, working with you as either an editor working for you or you as a freelancer working for me or just as somebody uh, who I could call and annoy with uh, various questions and or just, you know, just just hanging out in the many years, uh, in the many years since. It just... Four months it's been, it's been uh, Barbara's getting score updates as we speak. One Serena. <laughs> I have never I done. Guys, I'm the, I love you guys, but I'm going to go. But I do want to hear about that drive-in. Okay. <laughs> okay. Goodbye. I love Bye. you, Paul. Congratulations. 
by Thank Barbara. You. I don't have ever yeah. done a Zoom event or a StreamYard <laughs> event without something like that, you know, without the most serious academic college professor in the world having like his kids barge in and uh, and jump on. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Tom, and congratulations. Um, I, you know, uh, fifty years, and and I'd say the vast majority of them have been good years. So that's uh, you know, so congratulations on that. Just it's just an honor to know you and work with you, and I'm gonna cry. But, uh, <laughs> and and you know, thank you for having. You know the faith to put me on Spider-Man when I had no faith in myself. <laughs> um, you are, you know, as I've, you know, um, maybe one of the top three people, and not all them, not all of them are alive who understand that character and really um, get what makes what makes Spider-Man uh, so popular and so beloved. You, know? mm -hmm. so you really. You know, you taught me so much about that character, and uh, you know, and it shows. It, you know, and, and I just, you know, somebody was making fun of somebody for uh, redrawing stuff before, but I would just like to make fun of Tom because I would get, I would, you know, I would get a script from Tom or a plot, and I'd say this is great, and then the next day he'd come in and oh, I rewrote it, but I, <laughs> it's already, yeah, but it could be better, and <laughs> and certainly at a you know the, the the computer, you know, was actually you know kind of a enabled Tom to hide this this admirable trait because I would get scripts from him that were like sculptures because they have the whiteout and and uh, and, <laughs> and, and then you wouldn't know. And after I'd already accepted it and told him that now it could be better. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna use like an entire. Uh, you know, closet full of uh, of this whiteout, and, and it was, and it, it did make it better, you know. But uh, <laughs> you but can always why, make it better. <laughs> no. that's why we have deadlines. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, any fun stories about Danny? Uh oh, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> I, you know, just I, I always remember when he came in, and. Um, said to me that uh, Roger Stern was, was going to leave amazing. And I said, well, do you have a problem? Because only an idiot's going to follow Roger <laughs> on the book. And he said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to need a new writer. And, and uh, at the time, I was the executive editor, and part of my job was to keep track of our freelancers. So I pulled, pulled the list of writers, and I was flipping through the list of writers, throwing out names to Danny. Um, about guys that I thought could do a good job on Spider-Man. And uh, at some point I look up and I realize he's, he's just staring at me with this goofy smile on his face. <laughs> and I, you know, I said to him, why aren't you writing these, these names down? And he says, cause I already know who I want to ask. <laughs> and I said, well, if you know who you want to ask, why are you wasting my time? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's when he, you know, he told me that he wanted me to do it. And then I was, was I, I think I was the one who put you and Ron, I mean, you and Ron knew each other, but I put you together as a writer and artist team. Yeah. Ron was the, the film and artist on, on, on Amazing Man, because JR was off for a couple of months. And I, you know, and I, I thought for sure I was the film and writer, because <laughs> as I told you, I, I said, I don't think I can do Spider-Man's dialogue. 
Well, your first two scripts were over Roger's plots, too. My first two scripts were over Roger's plots. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Well, well, Danny, Danny, oh, go Danny ahead, learned the lesson of everything can be better pretty quickly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can remember a time before cell phones where, where Danny was going on vacation. Well, and he, literally, he literally called me like three times from pay phones along the route <laughs> to his vacation. That makes notes about a plot. And I said, Danny, I'm not going to get to that part of the story until way past Monday. So go enjoy your weekend for God's sake. I was on the cutting edge because I did that then. But a couple of years later, everybody was doing that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that seemed to be. Um, but that's the story about uh, what's at the drive in. I think Bob and Carl were there and Tom. Um, it was the year that Shooter took all the editors out to the San Diego Con. And, uh, you know, we had, quote unquote, free time, although it was kind of not really free. You know, it was all structured. It was structured fun. And uh, I guess we were all trying to figure out where to have dinner and then what to do. Uh, and Tom came in a little late after the discussion had gone underway. And Jim said to Tom, uh, you want to go have dinner at the best Italian restaurant in San Diego with me and Vinny? Or do you want to go to the drive-in with the rest of the guys who are and don't appreciate fine dining? <laughs> and Tom said, What's playing at the drive-in? <laughs> you wanted to make an informed choice. <laughs> uh, hey, Danny, talk a bit about what made Tom and Ron your team. Why'd you pick them? Why'd you hire them to do amazing? Well, I worked with Ron on Kazar. Mm -hmm. And, uh, boy, this goes back. You know, I knew Tom. Well, Tom had been the editor of Spider-Man before I was. Then he went on to be um, executive editor. Ron, this was this was the day, children. <laughs> when, before email, before texting, before um, all that stuff, where you actually had to call a freelancer and have a talk with them, or God forbid, have a talk like with their wife or their children. You actually developed a relationship, and I'm, Ron and I, uh, I think, got along well, and I loved his drawing, and I and and. I'm not sure how, now here's where the timeline gets all, we had a Kazar story, the famous Kazar with the bullet, with the magic bullet in his head. Um, and um, I think maybe Brent left that for us to figure out. Brent went off the book, you came on. Um, but somehow, while we trying to sell Kazar comics, we put Spider-Man for a few issues as a guest star, so I knew you could draw the hell out of Spidey. Well, that got me a gig with the Falco as editor on Team Up. That's it. Okay. All right. So you, so you had a relationship with Tom. You you were you had a relationship with Spider Man. Um, uh, you drew great and you drew fast. You know, you had, and your personality was it was tolerable. So all those things <laughs> tolerable. That's a compliment. That's what I, I always said about Ron. He's tolerable. <laughs> <laughs> tolerable. <laughs> That's like a that's like a passing Yelp review. Ron Friends it was, tolerable. It was actually, it was actually on my resume. That's yes. Tolerable, tolerable <laughs> Ron Friends. So, um, I don't know. It just seemed like a natural. And 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 you're right. At the beginning, I think we were waiting. 
because JR um, was yeah. going to do the X Men and then come back to Spider, but of course, you know that, you know that that did that did not happen, and that was you know that was fine because I had Ron in place and I had Joe Rubenstein inking it, which was yeah, incredible, you know, an incredible combination. So that uh, you know, just now you you actually at one point, Danny, told me the story about JR coming into the office and you asking him how it was going on X Men and you know whether he was. When, when he was planning on coming back and everything, and that he 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 said, well, you seem to be happy with the guys you have, and you said, yeah, I think they're gelling, I think it's going pretty well, and uh, and that Jr. kind of gave you the nod that he wasn't going to come back, and uh, you had told me that story. So the first time I met Jr., I thanked him for my run on Spider-Man <laughs> because if he would have wanted to come back in, it you would have honored the original agreement, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, well, that, that, but that but that was. That's a, that's a what if. That's an that's an alternate uh, timeline. Um, of course, my big beef with you, Danny, is that you left that position, opened uh, somebody else to come in, and uh, <laughs> that kind of affected my life too, professionally. And so. mine too, but uh, <laughs> but we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hornacek says, uh, Ron, tolerable friends and chat. Uh, so I think it's sticking. The internet is picking up on it, Ron. There you go. <laughs> I think it's time to bring in another friend. Uh, we have Mr. Howard Mackey in the house. What's going on, Howard? Oh, I cannot believe I'm wasting the end of my vacation on this. <laughs> and, I, and I have to look at all you boneheads. <laughs> you don't have to waste any time with us at all, Howard. Goodbye. <laughs> I'd much rather be looking at Hildy than, than any of the rest of you. Hi, Hildy. <laughs> when how am I to arrange your film noir lighting there? Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm literally on vacation on a porch with a with a light with with moths buzzing around me. So I'm sorry. One point lighting. There you go. It's actually been great listening to everybody uh, tell stories because every single person has inspired another story uh, for me to recount. Many of them. Good, ish. <laughs> um, but uh, but I was fortunately Danny saved the day a little bit in that I was I, I was disappointed that nobody really did the full throated Tom DeFalco uh, <laughs> impression, which when I was on staff working for Tom was a requirement. We all had to do it. And certainly in, in Mark's office. You know, the thing of it is, I had to learn how to talk like, like Tom. <laughs> and, and so whenever I tell a Tom story, I, I, I absolutely must slip into the voice. <laughs> but, but honestly, Tom, I, I started out when he, he was the executive editor and I worked as Mark assistant when i got promoted i was working directly under tom i was the managing editor and and then very shortly thereafter i was going to be promoted to full editor of a certain line of um comics that um uh were, were, were new it was kind of a, a universally new uh line of comics and 
given that the previous two editors had gotten fired, the first thing I did was go into Tom and say, Tom, can you do anything about this? <laughs> so that so that I can't get promoted. <laughs> and, and Tom in his his very wise and sage <laughs> way of speaking to to you says, well, the thing of it is, Mr. Howard, <laughs> if if you if you turn down the promotion, you're screwed. <laughs> and, and if you take the promotion, you're screwed. <laughs> So, so have a nice day. <laughs> so, so that was one of my earlier uh, uh, direct um, experiences with Tom, where he, he was giving me stage advice. Um, but, Rude. But that's I, advice. I, I, yes, and, but I did. I did last, and then got to be a full editor work, working under Tom. And I, I, somebody, we were talking about practical jokes. I think Carl started practical jokes. And I remember one day, come, I, I was one of a handful of oddball people at Marvel Editorial who showed up not only on time, but early. Carl was one of them. <laughs> Carl was always there. And so I remember coming into, the, into Tom's office, and it was me, Carl, and Mark, and we were just like having a cup of coffee and, and talking about stuff. And Tom said, yeah, what do I do to get these guys to come in on time? And I, I think it was Mark who came up with the idea of writing a memo and you, you, had, you had your secretary write the memo to the entire editorial staff, said that Jim Galton had, was called a sudden meeting Everybody had to be there. I was absolutely required for everybody to be in your office to meet with Galton at 9.30, which nobody was going to be there at 9.30. And you signed it. We, we, we made copies, put it under everybody's door, and then we all went back to your office and sat there waiting for the panicked people coming in. And of course, I think it was like three o'clock when Ralph eventually showed up. <laughs> so, so that 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 was that that was the 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 flavor as 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 Carl said, the flavor of the environment that uh, Tom not only tolerated but but encouraged at that, that time. That's awesome. Um, and so let's see, do I have any, do I have any roasting stories of Tom? Yeah, let's get see. him. Get him. No, no, certainly not. I, certainly not. <laughs> but if I were going to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say, early on, you asked what it was like to work for Tom. Have you seen The Sopranos? Um, <laughs> Is he Tony? <laughs> <laughs> they were a bunch of wimps <laughs> to Tom. <laughs> I, I remember again. I was I was editing the the New Universe, and we had a um, uh, I think it was the the War. It was a graphic novel that that had to go out, and it was it was running late because my dear our dear friend uh, Mark Greenwald <laughs> had decided it needed a bunch of rewriting. So I was sitting at my desk. It was middle of summer. I had the window open to get a little bit of a breeze. And 
literally I was putting the page numbers down on the book. And Tom comes into my office during lunch. Tom comes into my office and says, Mr. Howard, <laughs> can I take a look at one of these pages? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Mr. Howard, do you have any salt? <laughs> and I, I said, Tom, I'm trying to get the, this book out. He, he, uh, yeah, do you have any salt? And I opened my, my desk drawer and I had a little packet of salt from, from lunches that we would uh, you know, order. And he takes a page out from in front of me, opens up the salt packet, and pours it all over the page. He said, because I figured, given how late it is, we might as well eat it. (laughs) (laughs) And I, who anybody who knows me knows I I have no temper at all. (laughs) I I stood up and I, I had the entire book in my hand. It was a 48 page book. So I had 48 pages of original artwork in my hand. And I looked at Tom and I looked behind me and there's an open window. And then I look at Tom and I look back at the open window. And fortunately, David Lowell, who was my assistant at the time, comes across the room and literally like just like yanks the books out. Book out of my head. Howard, I have to make photocopies of this before we send it out. And then then Tom and I exchanged very polite words after that. <laughs> That's the, I like that. We might as well eat it. That's pretty good, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it obviously it needed a little salt. <laughs> I confess it wasn't too dry for you. <laughs> yeah. But then, but, you know, Dematis, uh, I'm sorry, Demetrius, I, 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 I realized Mark says his name differently than I learned to say it in Stanley's soapbox when I was a younger reader. <laughs> but when uh, when um, Mark was talking about the Clone Saga meeting, and Danny alluded to it as well, I remember, and this is Tom, we all knew Tom would always go to bat for us, no matter what, whether it was, you know, as you guys were talking about him being the human shield for the guys upstairs or just in life. He was really always there to protect us. And I remember we were at one of those meetings uh, talking about the clone saga. And it might have been even later on when we got into some of the Aunt May stuff. And DeMattis and I were were, uh, pitching the story together. Mark was narrating it. I believe I was acting out the death of Aunt May on top of the conference table. And um, we got raucous. We 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 were very loud. And all of a sudden, the knock comes to the door, and it's somebody from the hotel. And they they were explaining that there were other people in the room next door to us who were complaining that we were too loud. <laughs> and Tom, and I, I remember this <laughs> very clearly, Tom said, well, the thing of it is, if my guys are this excited <laughs> about a story... I'm not shutting them up. <laughs> so you have, as I see it, you have one of two options. <laughs> you can either move us or you can move them. <laughs> and I'm assuming they moved them because we stayed where we were. 
Uh, I don't think but, the line to the, the hotel was, I'm acting out the part of an 80-year-old woman on her deathbed would go over as well as what Tom yeah, did. I, I'm, I'm, I'm closer to that now than I was then. Well, Tom, he's but, hit you with a bunch. You got any rebuttals to Howard here? I... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Are you just gonna eat it, Tom? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean, (laughs) but but on the positive note for me personally, my writing career really is because of Tom. Because I I my big break in comics was when I got to take over uh, Ghost Rider. And I love that first issue. That was so good. Thank you. Um, but I, I got, I, 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 they asked me to do a pitch. It got approved. Uh, but I didn't realize what the, they had asked five other people to do pitches, all of whom were much more experienced and more talented than me. But for whatever reason, they, they liked mine. But then every step of the way, and you, you, you told me some of this stuff more recently than, than back in the day the sales and marketing people tried to uh, shoot it down. I mean, they they wanted it dead. I I was an untried writer. I was working with an untried art team and they absolutely did not want this series to go forward. And it was only after a lot of back and forth, I would say months, right, Tom? Uh, Back and forth. (laughs) Tom just said, (laughs) Screw it. <laughs> We're doing it the way I want to do it. And that's how Ghost Rider took off. And because Ghost Rider took off and it was um, relatively successful uh, at the time, it, you know, <laughs> it, it allowed me to then uh, uh, go off and um, do do other yeah. stuff. <laughs> you know, Howard, including... you got some Ghost Rider fans in chat. We got uh, Adam says, love me some 90s Ghost Rider. Danny Ketch for life. Uh, Milo, it's Milo's birthday, by the way, and he loves your ghostwriter. Uh, well, well, happy birthday, Milo. <laughs> well, and having said that, given that I, I realize now, uh, based on Mariano and Barbara, since we're we're promoting stuff, I just was approached by Marvel to do a, a five issue uh, ghostwriter uh, <laughs> mini series uh, using. Using my da- Danny Catch. So, uh, there you go. Nice. We have Radio of Horror says Howard's Ghostwriter was what made me get into the character and become a writer myself. So <laughs> you, you're selling Harleys, evidently. There, there you go. I don't think you've ever ridden a motorcycle. I have never ridden a motorcycle in my wow. life. I have, I, I have been driven. I have ridden as a passenger on a motorcycle. Close enough. Yeah. That's, there you go. <laughs> There you go. But I have set my he- head on fire, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it at the time, Tom. But I, that, that the Ghostwriter was having that kind of issue early on. But that would I I would assume that's why you decided to have him guest star in Thor as a as a sign of solidarity and to get the character out. There. Yeah, <laughs> that was one of the reasons. Yeah, they, yeah, they. Uh, the, the direct sales department kept saying this book is never going to sell. It's never going to sell. They turned in a, uh, a projection on, on how much money we were going to lose on this. Uh, Jim Goldman at one point came down and said, are you sure you want to do this book? Cause 
sales department says they, there's no way they can sell it. And I said, Jim, you know, trust me, this is this book is going to work. And um, and he said, well, you know, you're, you're my editor in chief. Until you're not, <laughs> and then I walked out. And um, I remember when the first issue was done, I walked into our the head of our direct sales department, Carol Kalish, and I gave her the book. And I said, this is the book we want to do. Mm-hmm. And I handed her the book. And I, you know, sat in the office about a half hour later, she came in and she came in with her her original projections on how we were going to lose money on this book. And she put the book on, on, on top of my desk and then she ripped up her thing, dropped it in my wastebasket and said, never mind, <laughs> and walked out. And after that, she pushed Ghostwriter like crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and it actually did sell a few copies. It did. It did. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, Earlier in the broadcast, Milo was wished a happy birthday by uh, Tom. Now Milo yeah. says, Howard Mackey is saying happy birthday to me. Birthday to me. My life has now exceeded expectations. <laughs> Ron, what did you say to Milo? You need to get out more. Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, Milo, you really, you really oh, need Tom to get did. out more. I agree. But Ron agrees. <laughs> but happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've met me, and I remain unimpressed. <laughs> Mister Comics, as do the rest of us. Thank you, Tom. Thank you to each of you for everything you've done, bringing our comic book characters to life. So, Mr. Comic says that. Uh, Adam says, Carol Kalish knew what was up. Uh, Steve (laughs) Gretz says, that Thor Ghostwriter issue is one of my very first comics ever. So, there you go. We Um, have another guest. Oh, go ahead. I do have a Howard story. Oh, Oh. yes. I want to hear a Howard story. Okay. I'm taking a drink. (laughs) <laughs> he is on vacation. <laughs> All right. So I'm, you know, sitting in my home office one day and I get a call from Howard Mackey, uh, from, uh, excuse me, Ralph Macchio. And Ralph says to me, oh, I understand you and Howard have a new project coming out. And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, we're, 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 we're working on something. I had no idea what Ralph was talking about. He says, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad this is, it, it looks kind of interesting. I said, good, good. And he said, uh, you, you want to discuss it at all? I said, no, no, no. I, I think Howard understands the presentation. I think you should discuss, discuss it with him. And Ralph says, and I, I have to say, I'm very surprised that you guys are, you want to do, go, go back to the clone saga. And my reaction was, the clone saga. <laughs> I had a hunch you had no idea what I'm talking about. Said, Let me call Howard and find out what's going on. <laughs> and then found out that Howard had put in a proposal for uh, the, the that six issue limited series called the Original Clone Saga. I remember and, it. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it attached and me it, to it without. It was just- one, one small piece of the, the process was missing, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, that's how I got involved in that particular right. project. That's just, just one one more positive thing I'd like to say. And it was, I don't remember who who said this earlier. I don't know if it was Bob or, or Carl, where when I was on editorial, it was... What, what Tom created for us as editor-in-chief 
was a safe space. And, and even though he, it was like going to Tony Soprano, so you could wind up in the river. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, but like if, if you were having difficulty with whatever, whether it was story points in a book or um, um, or, or with, with, with a, a creator, um, you know, writer, artist, whatever, you could go to Tom. His door was always open. And he would sit down there, you'd sit down in his office, and you'd just talk things through. And if it was story, I mean, Tom, and, and you know, I've said this, you, you and others have said this today, you are by far and away one of the best story guys in the business. And you, you're able to, to look at something and move the pieces around when it gets jammed up and make it work not just on your your own work which i i've now heard from, from both danny and ron but on other people's work and that was as an editor that was a a, a great thing to know that you 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 had somebody that you didn't have to be afraid of to go in and talk to about about this stuff so for that i thank you I, I ended on a positive. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we we have someone that likes you, Howard. Steve says he met you in person at Terrificon, and you're one of the nicest comic pros he's ever met. Thanks for the great experience. That's damning with faint praise, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Bob and I were there too, but we don't merit. You know what? I've met both of you and I agree with him. <laughs> and Gregory says that Tom always backed us up as editors. It made us feel secure. Absolutely. All right. We have another guest to add to the, the, the roast. We have Scott Lobdell. There he is. Scott, what's going on? Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey. How are you? I like your Scarlet Witch behind you. That looks nice. Oh, I was wondering where I put that. Um, thank you for having me. I didn't realize this was a, uh, this was sponsored by the medical alert button. When did that? Happen? <laughs> so, this is exciting, um, Howard. I do not mean to step on your announcement, but uh, Marvel called me last week as well, and they said the uh, restraining order is still in effect, <laughs> and that I have to stay two hundred yards away from the office. So. <laughs> That's my big announcement. Um, Tom, I'm quite shocked to hear uh, all these wonderful things to, or, that are being said about you. Um, As well you should be. I was at Marvel for, uh, I don't know, six years while you were there. And I can't remember you ever speaking to me once. <laughs> six years, which I'm very grateful for. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Tom is like one of the nicest guys in the world. Uh, it's like, uh, I mean, seriously, Tom, I think of you as like a brother often and uh, like an older brother, like like a, a like a father, like a brother who's a father, sort of. A better, better looking brother. Yeah, well, a grandfatherly father. Like, like say, if grandfather time was a person, that's the way I think of it. I think of you. You're like a really distinguished Lee stack. Um, I knew I could work Lee stack into this. Um, I will tell a story when I was breaking. Uh, when I was breaking, and all you guys remember that I was. Uh, you probably remember it. It took me about six years to break in, and we used. To, you guys all used to uh, sadistically send out these uh, uh, pre preformed uh, rejection letters. 
And I had so many rejection letters. God sounds good. You're like, of course you did. Um, but it was like, my entire bedroom wall was lined with rejection letters from uh, Marvel and one from DC. And I remember I got one and I opened it up and it was another form letter. Sorry, you know, at this time, we don't think you're ready, blah, blah. And at the very end, it said, uh, it was signed by Tom D with a stamp. And uh, at the very end, it said, P.S., this one wasn't as bad as the last one. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, my God. So I showed everybody, I showed my family, I showed the near, I showed everybody that would look. And my brother finally pulled me aside. He goes, Scott, that's a rejection letter. Like, what are, you shouldn't show people. I said, no, but he took the time to write something on it. And that was, uh, that was as much... Uh, fatherly advice I got from everybody else raves about you, but I, I that was it. <laughs> no, I, no, there was one time I remember, I remember we were in the hallway and I showed you something and you told me that I should go home and bury myself in my work, which is what, who, somebody said that earlier, who said that? Yeah. Um, but then a week later I bought it in, I was so proud and I bought it in and you read it and you said, just bury yourself. <laughs> okay, that wasn't true, and screw you all for laughing. Okay. Uh, uh, Tom, I was disappointed you didn't take the advice. <laughs> I, uh, Tom, I, uh, Tom, and I didn't work together at Marvel, but 15 years later, we worked together at DC because uh, they had just started the new 52, and. Uh, I had I was writing three books and they Bobby Chase said, Listen, Scott, three books is too much for you. We gotta have, you know, like we're gonna give Superboy to someone else. So I was like, you know, what about Tom DeFalco? And they were like, the name. I said, Tom DeFalco used to edit uh Marvel comics in the nineties. And they're like, No, doesn't doesn't ring a bell. But I <laughs> I stood up for him and I every day I uh told them that they should hire uh, Tom DeFalco and eventually they did and we started working together and what was really fun the funnest part about working together I don't know how, how long was it Tom like six months or something no it was, a, it was like a year, like like two years it felt like 40 50 yeah, years right <laughs> so what happened was we would call each other up and you know once once in a great while in the business you get something that's really crazy that happens and you call you know one of your freelancer friends you go you're not gonna believe what happened today <laughs> and Tom and I did that about four times a day <laughs> or the entire time we were both working at DC and then finally when he uh, he left DC and uh, no he left Superboy and I called him up and I felt bad. And I said, uh, what, what do you, you know, how do you, how do you feel about leaving? And he was like, every day I wake up, I'm a new man. <laughs> he couldn't have been happier. And it took me like another eight years before I left, but I was like, oh, now I get it. Um, I wanted to say, uh, I wanted to so say Scott, that. Uh, Scott, you, 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 you've gone more for the Rodney Dangerfield version of Tom. And the young bear, I can see that. Uh, uh, Danny? Yeah. Danny? Yeah. You haven't seen anything yet? 
Okay. Um, I have a, I have a special. I'm grateful. I have a special guest who's uh, uh, sent me a video, and so I want to play it for you. And uh, he goes, uh, it goes without saying who he is. Um, very hard to reach, but I told him you were having a, a thing, and I tracked him down. And he said, <laughs> "I can't come there, but I'm going to send a video." So, um, all right, you ready for the video? Yes, but before um, okay. we go, I just want to say, Tom, wherever you go, and whatever you do. Keep kissing that evil way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. I'm yeah, going to play it. I've got, right, too late. <laughs> I've got it right here. Here we go. When I heard they were roasting terrific Tom DeFalco, <laughs> I was furious. I've been waiting outside the pearly gates to greet him. How did they send him down there without me noticing? <laughs> I already talked to God about letting him up here as a personal favor to me. I said, Stan, Tom DeFalco might not be the most handsome guy around or the smartest or the funniest, but he is a guy. And no one can take that away from you, except Hildy. No judgments, kids. But face front offending. Enough said. Uh, speaking of Hildy, Hildy, did it ever occur to you that the residuals for Speedball were not going to last forever? <laughs> oh, and Ron Prenz is here. Ron Prenz, people don't realize was one of the uh, original artists on the cave walls uh, where they found uh, hieroglyphics, which was pretty impressive when you consider they didn't even have light boxes back then. <laughs> but more about the man in the hour. Tom DeValgo is a good man. Barely. He is a great man. From what I hear. <laughs> from Tom. <laughs> Little known fact, before I nicknamed him Tornado Tom, I tried Tetanus Tom, Tommy Two Thumbs, and Tom the Flatulence. <laughs> A lot of people don't know that Tom has written more best-selling comic books than any modern-day writer in the history of the industry. Come on, give it up for him. And he did it all under the pen name of Chris Claremont. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. I mean, as editor-in-chief, he released more of his trade collections of his own work than anyone who ever ran a comic book company. I'm serious. There are still warehouses filled with pickers and trades. But he was nothing if not fair. He also released Absolute Carnage. Not a trade, just his reign as editor-in-chief. <laughs> To give you an idea how invaluable he was, from the Latin word, not valuable at all, when he left Marvel, they had to hire five editor-in-chiefs to take his place. And that was just to maintain his corporate expense account. <laughs> Tom was quite a creator in his day. He created Thunderstrike, Fantastic Force, Spider-Girl, seriously. Where did that guy get his ideas from? 
Oh, wait. I know. I'm surprised you never gave Captain America Jarvis Parker Lumpkin his own series, you bloated hack. <laughs> yep. He did some of my best work. He and Ron were like a Stan and Jack cover band. They were the Beatlemania to our White Album. They were like a Xerox machine that printed royalty checks. Even the distinguished competition knew what they had when he worked there. They hired him in editorial. He told me it was the longest afternoon of his life. <laughs> I joke about Tom because I love the guy. I always have. I always liked him best when he wasn't borrowing money, but better than borrowing every original idea I ever had. Tom, I love you. I'll see you soon, but not too soon, kid. <laughs> wow. wow. All right. Wow. Was that crazy? <laughs> I'm so glad I was able to get him to send me that. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded so much better live. <laughs> well done, sir. Very Thank well you. done. Thank you. Wow. Um, any rebuttal, Tom or Ron or anyone? <laughs> I, you I left him speechless. Howard's got something. At long last. Yeah. The, the, every once in a while, Tom would come to editorial offices and would, would just show up in the door and say, Dan's in the office today, and he wants to take a bunch of you boneheads out to lunch. <laughs> so be ready at 1230. And we would go to lunch. And I don't think I ever heard Stan call Tom Tom. He <laughs> he would call him Tony, which I thought was a much. I, I, I started calling him Tony for a while because I think it fits. <laughs> the first six times I met Stan, he made it a point to tell me I was his favorite artist at. <laughs> every time I was very touched. <laughs> oh my gosh all right uh tom if you don't have anything else for scott we're going to bring another guest in well i i, I just want to thank scott because um, uh, a couple of months ago i went through a a situation and, and scott was there for me and i really you know i all you guys were um but but scott was uh Checking in with me almost every day, and I, I really do appreciate. Was this the bail thing or the other thing? <laughs> you know, the, you know, I, <laughs> and this was before the restraining order, right? Yeah, because that PayPal, that PayPal, an, an indictment is not a conviction. <laughs> <laughs> we have one more guest on the line for Tom. We have Mike Pellerito, the editor in chief of Archie Comics, right? Hey. What's up, Mike? How are you? Wow, I, I don't know how I follow all that. That was pretty amazing. Um, I do want to say the most important takeaway from tonight is um, it's really just happy birthday to Milo. He's just a real star here. That kid is dynamite. And, uh, you know, if we can continue the roast of Milo, I'm all for it. Um, Tom is too nice and too good at what he does. This Milo kid, though, that's potential. I'm happy about that. I haven't know that Milo goes on every podcast and says it's his birthday. 
<laughs> That's the best gimmick ever. I hope it's true. <laughs> well, Milo's chat. Milo's still with us. He says you're hilarious, Mike. <laughs> I, I hope he shows up at restaurants, tries to get the free dessert. Like, I hope he rocks it. Laughing. Look at you, comic book suckers. I got a happy birthday out of everybody. I'm <laughs> going out to Applebee's and getting a cheesecake or something. <sighs> so, Tom, you've been moonlighting for Marvel all these years. I thought you just kind of fell off the face of the map when you left Archie. <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> so, yeah. By the way, that first Archie story, the, 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 what was it? The, the dumbbell? I can oh, yeah. Back. Delivery dumbbell. Who who approved the cake? <laughs> who approved the cake? This a very here, I'll awkward. I get you. Hold on here. I can share the image oh. of the cake. Hold on. Delivery dumbbell. Let's look, take a look at this cake you're talking about. There you go. Oh my <laughs> God! Look at that cake. There's a big <laughs> popper there that I don't know how it got past the code authority. And I retroactively can't unapprove this, but uh, if you try to scrap at any of the news stories, Tom, we're going to have a lot to talk about. <laughs> also, I think this is the cake we should give this kid Milo anytime he shows up. The, 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 dialogue, the dialogue is interesting, too. Um, Careful with that cake, Archie. It's a surprise for my father's birthday. <laughs> How do I get involved with these things? The cake's so big it can't even fit in a box. There's <laughs> too much double entendre for a box. This is actually the Bible version of the story. <laughs> Tom, that was your first story? That, that, that was my first five-page story. Wow. At, at, at Archie, um, in those days, you, you had to do a bunch of you know one-page gags first. And it just took me a while to convince Richard that I was good enough to do a five-page story. Hey, Mike, a young Tom comes in your office. Does that get approved? Does he get hired? Does he have a 50th anniversary? Oh, absolutely. I mean, okay. at that point, you have nowhere to go but up. I mean, it, was, it started. It was funny. You knew there was a lot of opportunity there. It was going to go well. So that was the gag that got you hired? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. no. Okay. I was going to say, that's something you do once you're in the door. (laughs) Tom knew the kind of humor he could get away with, I think. uh, (laughs) It worked back then. Oh, that's good. He's, you know, I can still, like, twist his arm and get an Archie story out of him every once in a while. And they're, you know, it's... All the you know, Tom always talks about how the five page story is sort of the foundation for what he does. And uh, if you ever get him to thumbnail a story, if you ever get to see him, they're really great. He doesn't do them anymore, but um, the, the, the ability to put a ton of story in an Archie story in five pages without it being dense visually or dense uh, in dialogue is something I always really, Tom, I always send it to new writers. Like, look at what Tom does. This is how he does it. He, everything he does is right. And I wish I had any bad stories about you to, on this this Rodney Dangerfield roast of the stars. But it, I I, uh, I, I'm, uh, I am cheating the universe because every time I buy a story off of you, I learn how to be a better editor. Well, oh. well thank, thank you, Mikey. You, you, you're the guy keeping me in the comic book industry. <laughs> <laughs> I like in chat. I got to pull the picture up. Our buddy Neil says... Uh, there's Milo's birthday cake right there, all right? <laughs> that's actually Milo, the little kid with oh, the Oh, that's Milo. <laughs> He's been hanging around for 50 years. <laughs> uh, 
Tom, any other thoughts to Mike? Uh, just that um, <laughs> I, I remember my first, you know, Archie assignment um, uh, in my current incarnation. Um, uh, somebody had run into Sal and asked him if he'd like to draw a, an Archie story. Uh, had run into Sal at a convention. And Sal said, uh, "I, you know, I don't uh, pencil anymore, but I'll, but I'll link a story if you get Ron Friends to pencil it." So the guy said, "Yeah, well, we'll we'd love to have Ron Friends pencil it." So the next thing I know, Ron Ron calls me up. He says, uh, "So we, we have an, uh, an assignment from uh, Archie uh, to do a story. Uh, Sal is going to ink it. I'm going to pencil it." Uh, and and you should call up Archie and tell him you, you're going to write it. <laughs> and I said, Ron, it doesn't work that way. I, I I can't call them up and tell them I'm going to write it. He says, Sure, you can. Just call him. <laughs> I said I can call up and and ask them if I can write it, but but you know I can't you know tell them anything. Yeah. So anyway, I call up. Uh, Mike and I said, because you know, I met Mike uh, through Victor Gorlick, uh, who was my first editor, and Mike, you know, my lifelong friend. Um, and I, I said, uh, hey, Mike, um, uh, I'm friends and Sal are going to be doing a story. And Mike says, do you want to write it? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> And then Ron started looking at Harry Lucy stuff. Right. And this I'm like, wow, you know, I wonder what this guy's going to do with the Archie style. And then he turns in the first page and he's like, um, I don't know if it's it's right there. Like, I feel pretty good. And I was like, holy crap, this is great. <laughs> this is your first stab at this? And then we did, we did a handful of them. And then it just... It, I, you, I don't know, like, how, when the last time you ever thought of Archie, but, like, you got back into it very... Easily, was it riding a bike or was it weird to go back in time? I, you know, I, I I don't know. It's you know, I always I always loved the characters, and um, you know, would often read the digest books and that sort of stuff. Uh, and uh, it just yeah, it, 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 the, the challenge of the five page story, um, you know, still intrigues me. Tom, have you really convinced them that that's not the same story you've been telling for? <laughs> Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> Wait a minute. Scott changed his name to Milo up there. Look at the text. <laughs> I'm Team Milo. <laughs> Team Milo. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Howard, I can't not put this on because the show loves facade. And. We want to know. Adam says in chat, "Who was facade after all these years?" Can you can you no, tell that's us? Not, that's really? not for me. That's for Scott, right? Facade? No, I didn't do anything. I don't know. I, did, did I do something with? I'm I'm old. I don't remember. <laughs> who, who is oh, facade wait, this, in the Spider-Man was... universe? The fans want to know. No, not uh, not the Spider-Man universe. It was the Fantastic Four universe. No, it's the, the, or it's maybe a, that I don't know. Steve Englehart character. Oh. <laughs> We're never going to find out 
the, the spider the only character with a little squiggle under the sea. I don't think any. Okay, all right, <laughs> all right, all right. I'll tell you the truth. Oh, who was it? Uh, 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 Milo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have two more guests, but they're pre-recorded for you, Tom. Let me get these on the screen. Wait, Hold wait. On. I'm, I'm, my my battery is about to die, so I'm I'm gonna uh, jump off. Okay. Um, and I just want to say thanks. This was a lot of fun, Tom. I love you, and <laughs> congratulations. And I will. Uh, I'll probably be talking to you uh, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, probably. Thank okay. you very much, Howard. Thanks, Howard. Take care, guys. Bye. Yeah, we can roast Howard. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> See you, Howard. Oh, they uh, chat says Terry Cavanaugh wrote facade, not Howard okay. Mackey. The so chat messed up. There we go. All right, but it still is Milo, right? Okay, uh, we have uh, two pre-recorded uh, things that I got for you, Tom. So we're going to do this first one. We were just talking about the man, Sal Buscema. Here he hey, comes. Tom, just in case you couldn't tell, this is your Goomba, Sal. <laughs> That's a little private joke between Italians. I won't be uh, long-winded like usual, but wanted to let you know what a joy it has been working with you these many years. You're a very special individual, uh, Tom, and, and you, your contribution to this industry has been immeasurable. You're a great talent, and here's to the next 50. Can't <laughs> wait to see what you're going to do. <laughs> Congratulations, my friend, and God bless. Oh. Uh, anyway, isn't that nice? I just love listen, it. Listen, uh, Sal is, you know, at this stage of the game, Sal's kind of a member of the family, you know, mm -hmm. with Ron, and and um, you know, he thinks he he thinks he's going to be allowed to retire. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to allow him to, you know, have that, you know, illusion for. You know, a couple more weeks, but somewhere along the line, we're going to drag him back in. <laughs> <laughs> Chat loves Sal. Um, I, I named that video when I upload it. Better call Sal Busima on that. <laughs> so I, I just—he's such a nice guy. He, he um, is the greatest. He is. Hey, Brad, are you keeping track of who's uh, making more comments, Gregory Wright or Milo? <laughs> I am not. I, I'm I'm running a lot of buttons, but I, I I give it to Milo. I think he's having a good birthday party. It's probably three shades to the wind after that Archie panel that after. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have one more pre-recorded guest for you, Tom. Let me pull this one up. Uh, I did this one the other day, so we have our friend Ralph Macchio. Here we go. Oh. Hey, Chief. This is Ralph Macchio. Just wanted to wish you a very happy 50th anniversary in our beloved field of illustrated fiction. Uh, very few have contributed more in that time than you have. You've been around since even before I was in the uh, in the 70s, and uh, you made an incredible mark on the business, and uh, not only at Marvel but elsewhere. But uh, this is this is a great anniversary, um, and it's well deserved that it gets celebrated. Um, I'm sure you remember a couple of the uh, funny things that happened with us. The, the, when, when you were being sworn in as editor-in-chief, 
And we had that very uncomfortable meeting with Mike Hobson where the editorial staff was there. This is after they had let Shooter go and you were coming in. And everybody sitting at the table was very tense because we've been through a very tough period. And you were sitting there, remember, with your hands folded, and Mike was introducing you. And I said um, one point, to just to break the tension, um, and I, as you know, I never say anything at these meetings. And, and uh, Mike was kind of surprised that I said something. And, and he called on me, and I said, um, you know, Mike, I thought this time we were going to get somebody good. <laughs> that he, everybody cracked up. That kind of broke the tension, which I was very happy to do. And uh, I, I thought that uh, it was it was just just one of those things that worked out. And the other thing uh, that was pretty funny was the time that um, I had come into your office to talk to you, and um, you had gotten a phone call and you had swiveled around in your big editor in chief chair, and I had. Uh, seen a bunch of your cards there, uh, your business cards. And because you were turned away from me and it looks like it was going to be a big business uh, call, I just took the time to pick up a bunch of them and to change the name from Tom DeFalco to Tom DeFatso. I thought it was a joke. <laughs> and I thought, I'll just put these back in. Nobody will ever look at them. It'll be uh, you know good for a laugh if Tom ever picks it up. Well, about a week or so later, I remember that you had a big meeting with either the Hasbro executives or one of the other toy company executives, and you were handing out your cards to them. And then it seemed as if they, one of the guys said to you, have you looked at your cards recently that you had? You saw Tom DeFatso replacing Tom DeFalco. And for some crazy reason, you knew it was me because after those guys were gone, you took the card and came running down to my office and threw them on the desk. And with mock anger, you said, I, I know who did this. And I, I pretended just complete shock and surprise. How would you think this was me? <laughs> I know it was you, Ralph. I know it was you. And it was. So you got me on that one. But we have many more funny incidents. And hopefully we'll have many more funny ones in the future, too. But uh, those were a couple of ones that were memorable. So once again... Happy 50th, Chief, and, uh, and 50 more in the business because they need you. <laughs> there oh. you go. Oh, what do you that, think of the business cards getting swapped out? That, 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 you know, that I was sitting in a, in a meeting with the, the president of Hasbro and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, our, our main contract uh, contact with them. We were, we were discussing, you know, we worked together on G.I. Joe and Transformers and a couple of other things and, you know, cementing our, our relationship to go forward. And um, and the, the president uh, re reached over, he looked and he says, uh, well, when was the last time you looked at your business cards? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he showed me it and, you know, I, I just cracked up and I, I turned to him. I said, this is the kind of place we have. And, and, well, and, and they said, well, you know, that's why we enjoy doing business with you guys. <laughs> uh, did you ever get even with him for messing with your cards? No, nah, I don't think so. I, I, I actually kind of thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, chat, if you want to uh, 
write a few things to Tom or I have a few questions. We're about going to wrap it up in just a little bit. We're going to go around the horn and get some final thoughts out of everybody, and we'll end with Tom. Final thoughts. Uh, Steve wants to know about an action figure, Tom. The Allison Mongrain package was, was supposed to be Baby May, or was it supposed to be Aunt May? Okay. What did you do? <laughs> I, I always thought it was Baby May. Right. Um, you know, I, I, when when they decided it was Aunt May, I thought, you know, we kept showing a crib in those scenes. Yeah. Uh, it, it it made no sense to me. Yeah. Radio of oh, oh, right, the chat's coming in fast. Tom, how was it with working with the late great Mark Grunewald? Oh, it, it was a, an honor and a privilege. Um, Mark and I were a team together when I when I first came on staff at Marvel as an editor. I was only supposed to be there for about six months, and um, I was going to supposed to be training Mark to be an editor. Um, and he, he was going to replace me, um, and uh, we, we they gave us an office that was so small. The only the only way we could uh, fit in both desks were, were having face them facing each other, and. Um, <laughs> it proved to be very convenient because we would pass the artwork back and forth, you know, across the across the desk. And um, it, you know, Mark Mark was always great. He, uh, you know, he, he was a total idea factory. He'd come up with idea after idea, and um, you know, the industry still misses him. Yeah. Milo again wants to know when's there's going to be a Tom DeFalco omnibus out of Marvel. Uh, probably never. Oh. <laughs> I, you know, I, I can't see that ever happening. Oh, I don't. I don't hey, Tom, that. I, yeah. I just have to say one of my favorite things about you and uh, Mark when you work together, and I, I know we've talked about this before, but at DC, and I'm assuming it's at Marvel, you know that there are times when you and I were working there where DC would like send a book to a printer. And they say, we got to print on Friday. And then on Wednesday, they said, this story doesn't work. Can you make it a different story? It's like <laughs> crazy. Like, it was that crazy, guys. No lie. It was like yes. crazy. It's insanity. But what you and Mark used to do, like you're, uh, sometimes I think the strongest influence you had, like you would read the make readies. And that right. was the first. And if you tell everybody like what make readies are and just tell that. Sorry, because I always found that to be invaluable. Uh, the the make readies are the um, comic book without the cover. We, we would get it a week or so before it shipped. Yeah. Hmm. So. And so the book would be all printed. And that was the only time that you guys commented on the books, you know, like as opposed to what we were going through, which was they, like they were doing it every two minutes. But I just love the fact that you guys were so uh, supportive of your editors that you weren't trying to micromanage them all the time. You'd wait for the make grades to come in, and maybe you'd pull somebody in and you'd say, "Do you really want Scott Liddell writing this book?" Is it spicy? <laughs> but I, you never. I, I ask that question constantly. <laughs> <laughs> but but you never like you know to to the best of my knowledge, I wasn't editorial, but you never like went in and said, no, this isn't working, get rid of this and bring him in and do this. You were, you know, like you guys were supportive in your suggestions and stuff. Is that, would you say that's accurate? Or? That, that, that's 
pretty accurate. Basically, uh, you know, Mark and I would look at the sales figures. And if we saw that a book was, you know, trending down, we, we, we would like pick, pick up the, the last five or six issues, sit there and read them and try to figure out what was going wrong. And, and sometimes we could pinpoint something. And, and the, the tragic thing is every once in a while, we'd, we'd, we'd read all six issues and we'd look at each other and say, this is a terrific book. We can't figure out why the hell it's not selling. Um, and, um, but, you know, sometimes you could look at it and say, oh, I can tell you why this is not selling. Because the guy is, you know, starts everything with a close-up. You know, every splash panel is a, is a close-up. And it's, you know, they follow a formula. I, I always remember one, one particular guy. We, we, we looked and we said, wait a minute. He always, you know, starts with a, a personal scene that runs for about 10 or 12 pages. And then on page 15, there's a fight that lasts for four, page, for four pages, you know, and then he has his cliffhanger. And, and it was every issue was the same thing. He said, you know, it's boring, you know, because the readers would figure out what was going on. Um, yeah. Inside baseball, anyway. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't like going and fire anybody. You always let the. Oh no, 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 yeah. no, no. We, I, I felt that it was up to the editors. The, the, you know, the editors had to work with their their creative team. They had to, you know, they had to decide who they wanted working for them. And if I could see something wasn't working, I would say this is not working, and then assume that the editors would be able to. You know, convey that to the creative team. Those um, were the days, eh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, many a time an editor would come into me and saying, you know, uh, this writer is just driving me crazy and I don't know what to do. And I would say to him, imagine if you had total control over this book, that whatever you wanted, you, you could make happen. And he said, yeah. And I said, what would you do? And he said, well, I'd, I'd probably, you know, fire him and get and hire so-and-so. I said, well, you have total control over the book. So if that's what you want to do, do it. <laughs> um, we got a few more chat coming in for you, Tom. We got SoFlo says, what's your favorite Spider-Man story? My favorite Spider-Man story? Yep. Probably the one you wrote. I mean, the favorite one you wrote. Oh, the favorite one that I wrote? Yeah. Isn't it the one where he walks in with the big uh, cake, the wedding cake? <laughs> I think it was Milo. a story. I think it was a story called "Whatever Happened to Crusher Hogan?" Oh yeah, because <laughs> um, it it you know kind of had all, all it kind of had all the elements of what made a good Spider-Man story to me. Yep. Um, Mr. No. Comics has a follow-up. What's the favorite Spider-Man issue that you didn't write? Um, yeah. Have you ever read one that you didn't read? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, I'm trying. There are so many that I, you know, that I have, have always loved. <laughs> Here, I'll full screen the dog. Hold on. Here, the, 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 the dog wants to get out. <laughs> the dog oh. needs to go. 
My dog said, I have to spend five more minutes listening to Tom DeFalco. <laughs> I, you know, there are just, you know, too many that I, that I, that I love. Like, not one pops into mind right away. The go-to Amazing Fantasy 15. There you go. Go for that one. Uh, Gary in the Frozen's ticked at Ron Friends. He's waiting on a commission. <laughs> He's hard as work as we look at him. <laughs> He's hard at work. Javi <laughs> uh, says, big thank you to everyone for their contributions to Spider-Man. Um, You're welcome. Adam wants to know, Tom, what was it that inspired you to make the Phil Urich Green Goblin a heroic goblin? Because um, he was going to star in his, in, in his own title. So we wanted to, you know, do a... A slacker hero, something different. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun with that book. Right. Matt has a similar question, but let's aim it towards Thor. What's your favorite Thor that you wrote? Your favorite Thor story? Yeah. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> the one where he fought Jesus? No, <laughs> <Is> no. <that> <laughs> <stupid>? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it, was, it was whatever happened to Hogan the Grim. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? We were late that yeah. month, so we just went yeah, and changed all the name. I, I listen. I I don't remember the the issue number or or, or what, but um, uh, in the scene, uh, you know, Eric was 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 a. Uh, uh, you know, uh, he, he was Thor's secret identity at the time, and he, he had been fighting with his ex-wife for custody of, of uh, his son. And um, I, I think they had to go to the Black Galaxy, and uh, it looked like it was going to be a suicide mission. So Eric decided that he had to... Uh, yeah, you know, spoiler alert, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, this the story was published, you know, thirty years ago, so I don't know if I need a spoiler alert. But anyway, he had to uh, give up custody of his son to make sure that his son was taken care of uh, in the event that he didn't come back. And then, um, and then after he, he did this, he, he kind of collapsed in Hercules' arms, um, and. You know, I always think of that as as really, a, you know, Rod did such a great, great scene. I, uh, you know, he had me in tears as I was as I was writing it. So, I, so I don't think I even. I think those two pages were silent because I, you know, I couldn't think of any words that, you know, justice to those those beautiful yeah. pictures and and that uh, that scene always haunted me. Steve says that he remembers those early editorial pages of the '90s comics. <laughs> You were just drawn chomping on cigars and screaming at people. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, you know, here, here's just here, here, you know, secret behind comics. So at one point, uh, Steve Saffo was doing Marvel Age, and, and Rick Parker came in and said, yeah, we're thinking of doing a script called The Boss Man that's going to make fun of you guys. Um, and Mark and I said, okay. And they gave us the first couple of scripts and Mark and I looked at it and said they're not vicious enough so 
So we rewrote it to make ourselves look even even stupider. <laughs> and when the guys saw, saw what we had done, they said, "So, so, you know, no boundaries, no boundaries. Just you know, <laughs> as long as they can be printed in the Marvel comics, we're good with that." Nice. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and and you know when I show up at conventions, people are surprised that I'm not chopping on a cigar. We're going to end with the last chat comment from Milo. Of course, what's the biggest thing you learned from your 50 years in comics? <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep struggling to get better. No, you, you just got to keep struggling to get better. Because if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. So let's go around the horn. We'll do some final thoughts for Tom. Mike, final thoughts for Tom on 50 years in comics. Tom, you, you've done great so far in the first 50 years. The next 50 is when you're going to really not struggle anymore and you're going to get really good at this. I can't <laughs> wait to work with you for 50 years. You're the best. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Mike. Mariano, final thoughts to Tom. Just thank you. Thank you for being you, and thank you for all the great stuff you've done in the last 50, and let's keep it going. Well, awesome. thank you. Uh, Hornacek in chat says, the trick is always hire Ron friends. <laughs> uh, Bob, final thoughts for Tom. Bob. Well, I would just say... I feel very lucky I had the opportunity to work with Tom as as I did. I don't think we ever had a cross word for each other. He was always supportive. He always found new opportunities and new challenges to throw my way. And and as a boss, I couldn't ask for better boss. I remember one Christmas, I think every Christmas he gave me a bottle of, of whiskey or something as a present. I forget exactly why. But he would hand it to me and he would say, Bob, Best thing I can tell you is I don't have to, I don't have to bother looking at your stuff because I know it's good okay, and that's about as high a praise as you can get from somebody who you're working for. So it was really, you know, a wonderful, a wonderful experience working with you. Thank you. Listen, thank you. You guys made me look good. <laughs> uh, I like what Hornacek said about Scott. It says Scott's dog is tired of this Tom DeFalco tribute. <laughs> so, uh, Scott, your final thoughts and your dogs, too, for that matter. Um, I have a question and then I have a final thought. My question, Tom, is how many years did you have to shave off to get down to 50 years in comics? Like, who is buying this? <laughs> and secondly, I just want to say thank you for being you because if you weren't one of us would have to be you and that would suck so <laughs> i love it does the dog have anything to say <laughs> the dog is passed out <laughs> empty bowl knocks him what's so the dog 50 name? years in dog years what does that come to i wonder <laughs> uh, her name is ruby ruby R -U -B -Y. Oh. well don't take change your, your to name town. tomorrow to milo <laughs> Milo, the dog. I love it. Danny, final thoughts. Well, I want to. I want to um, just point out and thank you, Brad, for bringing us all together, but also for putting us all on a comic book page. And, oh, these and are panels. Yeah, we're all such comic book people that we have framed ourselves 
to leave room for word balloons in our panel. <laughs> so we are, if we didn't know we were lifers, we certainly are. Um, um, too many, many medium shots. <laughs> um, you're the best, and uh, you know, let's uh, let's 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 keep let's keep on keeping on together. Carl, final thoughts. Yeah, they, I knew at the time that period when um, I was on the editorial staff and Tom was the EIC that um, the culture that we had there was a unique, mm -hmm. unfortunately, all too unique combination of professionalism and fun. And that balance was always perfect. And that was a large part due to Tom and to Mark. And uh, I knew I was lucky to be a part of that and be there at the time. I just didn't know how exactly rare it was. I, I've worked in a number of places since then. I've encountered nothing, anything like that since, and they spoiled me. Awesome. And last but not least, well, we'll end with Tom, but I want to hear Ron's final thoughts <laughs> to Tom. Uh, you, you've been extra behave. You've been very behaved tonight, by the way, Ron. <laughs> I am not here to make trouble, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> It seems a lot longer than 50 years. <laughs> but I think that's just because it was life. You know, I mean, that Tom and I became friends and the working together thing all became secondary, you know, but it, it, it's, a, it's a terrific working relationship. I couldn't ask for a better one. And uh, I, I've looked and uh, nobody's stepped up. So uh, as long as he wants to keep doing it, I'll keep doing it. But uh, you know, he is uh, a good man, and I'm proud to know him and uh, happy to call him family. Oh. Tom, the man of the hour, this has been your life. You get the final word. Um, I, I, I want to thank all you guys for saying you know, so many nice things and uh, you know, being so supportive and everything and um i uh you know i i i wish i wish i was as good as you guys are making me out to be um, the better you know i i just you know like i say i keep thinking you, you know it's always a struggle to keep on going um but you know, guys, I, I really do appreciate, you know, I, I, listen, I'm a writer. I talk better in second draft, and, and I'm blowing this thing. I, I love all, all of you guys. I, I, I love you too, Tom. You know. And I want to personally thank you, Tom, for so many years of entertainment, and also to Ron and Hildy for trusting me to broadcast this for you. So thank you so much. This has and, been a and pleasure. Tom. Tom, now that you found out how to use video on a computer, we should <laughs> do this again. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> on that last insult of the roast of Tom DeFalco, <laughs> uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, Vinkman with chat, we love Tom DeFalco. Yes, we do. We love Tom DeFalco a lot. So Thank you, uh, everyone. Just thank you. And thank Thanks you for putting all this together. Thank you. No Fantastic job. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night.
Well, that's a wrap on that episode. I hope you liked it. Uh, one more time before we wrap it all up, I want to remind you about uh, patreon.com slash crawlspace. Log on there to get exclusive thank you content, which uh, one of them is the Spire Satellites, where we review all the books that aren't amazing on that episode. That's a thank you to people that help support this podcast on our website each and every month through Patreon. There's also several other podcasts that are up there that are fun to listen to uh, that I think you'll get a kick out of. But again, it's patreon.com slash crawlspace for exclusive content and also support things you like, like this podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. 